One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. On DAB Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM, Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davis on Talk Sport. Uh, welcome to it. It is Saturday night. It is Fight Night here on Talk Sport. I'm Adam Catterall. Alongside me as ever, the man with the... Uh, I was going to say golden locks there, but they're not golden, are they? They're more... Uh, just, Silver. Well, you know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> distinguished. Distinguished locks. Thank you very it much. It is, of course, um, the one and only Mr. Gareth A. Davis. How are you, sir? I'm very well, and I'm really excited. We are in the midst of the hottest fight season I can ever remember. And sitting opposite you mm. is a very dangerous-looking man. Mm, there he's is. a week away from causing havoc. He's what? called Regis Progre. Well, I have uh, been on record saying that next weekend sees the best uh, fight on British soil of 2019. I am looking forward to be speaking to one half of that fight in a moment or two. But it's almost, you could say it's one of the best matchups in the world all year. You mentioned Artur Baturbiev yes. and um, Alexander, Alexander Gvodik. Gvodik, Gvodik yes. um, last night. But this is for the supreme number one at 140. It's as simple as that. One half of that is in the studio with us. We're going to talk to him in a minute. We've got an action-packed show lined up for you. Uh, we are going to be speaking to Callis Sowland, uh, the head honcho when it comes to the World Boxing Super Series. That's what these guys are going for uh, next week. It is the final of the World Boxing Super Series, even though they are unifying uh, the division. Uh, the Ali Trophy is on the line as well. We are going to be speaking uh, as well to Josh Warrington, who was absolutely devastating last weekend, uh, defending his IBF featherweight crown. He'll be on the show as well. If you want to get involved with it, you're more than welcome to do so. 08717-22-33-44. What are you doing playing your mobile phone whilst we're on the radio? You know what I mean? Gareth, I'll tell you something. You know the studio etiquette in here, mate. I was looking around thinking who was doing Yeah, that. you were about to have a go at <laughs> Mel, who's looking after Regis, and it's your mobile I phone. I do apologise to everyone in Britain right now. You, what, I, what I like about that is that that was your own voice on your mobile phone, so you've actually got your own voice playing to your back you on know, your mobile I phone. It was a That's very egotistical. It's terrible. Terrible scenes. Uh, I, I, I hang my head in shame. Um, we've got an action-packed show, so do come and uh, join us for it. Don't forget, if you miss any part of it, it will be available on the podcast. But without any further ado, let's introduce our first studio guest of the evening. I'm not going to do it. Take a listen to this. Now I'm 24 and no 20 knockouts. Never lost. Never been even <laughs> close to it. It's unfair to me the money I'm getting paid because I really do this for free. I love it so much and I would do it for free. I'm just happy to just be along, you know, going along the ride. Super lightweight tournament, Regis Progress. Oh, big left hand that's done relic. And now the end may be near. And Regis Progress is the new WBA Super Lightweight Champion with a complete one-sided destruction 
My boxing career started in Texas. I came up in Texas around nothing Mexicans. And you have to have that dog in you. That's that's kind that's how I came up. Out here and it's just you full of dogs. And down he goes again wow. to the left hand. <laughs> Look how confident Brooke he is. Now they're gonna let him go. Oh, last chance. Last chance. His legs are not good. And down he goes again. That's wow. it. it Another oh. one shot. That's how it took. Without any further ado, let's welcome him to it, the WBA uh, super lightweight champion of the world. I'll tell you something, this man has got more gold than Mr. T. He's looking good right at this moment <laughs> in time. Regis Progress, how are you? You well? I'm doing very, very well right now. You've been in London for quite uh, a period of time now. Yeah, yeah. You, um, enjoy, you enjoying it? Yeah, besides the weather, everything <laughs> is cool. You know, you know. now I live in LA now, so I'm everything is sunny and beaches and all that stuff, um, but... I mean, everything is everything has been wonderful, and you know, to be honest, I didn't know what they expect coming over here. I didn't think the people was gonna be so nice, but it's it's actually almost better than you know being home right now. Real recognize real. That's how we roll in, man. I, I guess so, man. Mm. Everybody want just not even taking pictures. I'm used to that stuff, but people want just give me stuff for free and want to <laughs> do everything for me, and it's like, it, you know, it's, it's I mean, it's just it's amazing. Now, before we obviously talk about this fight next weekend mm -hmm. and give um, our audience who might not necessarily know too much about you as a human being, because I want to paint that picture for everybody, I want to just pick up on the football shirt that you're wearing this evening. Mm -hmm. All right, my mm -hmm. friend. I know that you've been out and about in London today. Yeah. There's been a lot of uh, football, in your words, soccer matches going on. Um, and you have chosen to go into North London uh, today uh, to follow the Tottenham Hotspur. That is correct, yes? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at that. Yeah, yeah, we went. <laughs> I ain't oh. going to argue with you as to why you've chosen that, but has somebody pointed you in the right direction? Is that what it is? Mel, are you, Mel who's looking after you, are you a, are you a Spurs fan? Yes. You are a Spurs fan. That's um, why. So was, out of all the football that he could have watched today, you've taken him to Spurs. It was William Hill's fault. <laughs> right, okay. Sorry. There you go. How did you find uh, the football today? It's a hell of a stadium, that, isn't yeah, it? That it's, been I mean, it's, a, yeah, it's definitely a hell of a stadium. You know, I, I heard it's, it costs a lot of money to build, and I can see why it's definitely a hell of a stadium. I'm, um, and they say the NFL plays over there also. Yeah. So, you know, and hopefully one day maybe I can maybe get a fight that one. It's fascinating, isn't it, when you see the soccer grounds actually f soccer. I'm saying it free because you're American. Because I get sick you can say football. You can say football. <laughs> I can say football. Yeah, you can say you can say football. I understand what you're saying. Um, Don't worry. That the when football stadiums are within the houses, you like you come off a little street and you're in a football stadium. Mm. I mean, it is fascinating here if you get a chance to. You are literally in little little terrace streets, um, places like Everton, where, where Goodison Park. Yep. Mm -hmm. There's like a pub, a church, and then you turn the corner and there's a huge stadium in front yeah. of you, tucked in the houses. Yeah. And it's a very traditional thing here as well. I think they've done a brilliant job to to create that new stadium at Spurs. Um, it's just incredible. And as a fine with of recent times here in the UK you obviously Anthony Joshua's been selling out Wembley Stadium we mm -hmm. go to Cardiff every now and again as Gareth just alluded to there Tony Bell you had one at Goodison you look at that stadium and as a fighter you must be licking your lips thinking to yourself of Oof, I fancy a bit of this yeah exactly one day maybe you know one day maybe you know come back over here and fight over there uh, well, you're here next weekend, obviously at the O2 Arena, in mm -hmm. the final of the World Boxing Super Series against yep. Josh Taylor. We're going to talk about that a little bit later on in the show. But I want our audience to get a real understanding for you as a, as a young man with mm -hmm. boxing ambitions, boxing dreams, and some of the bumps that have been in the road along mm -hmm. the way. And some of those bumps have inspired you as well. Of course. Um, because you're a man that has, I mean, we see on the news, mm -hmm. people here in the UK... The, the devastating stories, for example, Hurricane Katrina. We see mm -hmm. that on the news and we yeah. think, well, I mean, that's, that's terrible. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't affect us because we are not necessarily yeah, yeah. attached to it. Mm -hmm. That affected you in a major way because 
that hit your home city. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it. You know, every time I go back to the story, it's like you. It was a. It was a real hard thing to go through at the time, but I wouldn't be here right now if it wasn't for that. You know, so of course, like if I go back to my when when Hurricane Katrina hit, I was 16 years old. So when I go back to that, when I go back to thinking how the, how I was at that time, of course it was painful. You know, and it's it's not like you like if your house catches on fire, you can probably go next door or across the street or something. Like your whole city's gone. Like you you will never ever ever live that life again. Like everything everything you ever knew, all the people is is gone. It's all misplaced. You know for a while, and it was you know it was like that for years and years and years on end for us. And then um, but and like I said, it was it was a painful experience. It was mainly for the older people, of course, because my, like my grandma, yeah. my mom, and my daddy, you know, because they own things, they own property and houses and stuff. So you go back to that and you just you see that. I remember, I remember when we first went back. My grandma just saw her house and she just broke down crying. My mama with our house, we, she just broke down crying. And you just see the power of. You never think that water can do that. You know, yeah. you 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 think it you think it could, but then when you actually see what water can do, like we got back when we first got back. We saw a house gone, like a house. It was a, it was the foundation, and the house was on the next street, like a whole house just wow. moved from the water. What did you do? So you're 16. You mm -hmm. you get evacuated before mm. it came in. Then you I know? left. I left the day before the um the storm. Because you'd had that warning, yeah. So all right. So even going back to that. In in New Orleans, they have a season, and it's called hurricane season. So every, yeah, it's called hurricane. We have a season called hurricane yeah. season. So every year around that time, a hurricane, you know, it's supposed to it, it's hurricane season. So a hurricane might hit New Orleans, and um, you know, every year even leading up to that, you know, the 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 people get on the news and they say, all right, it's time to leave. You need to evacuate and all that stuff. And sometimes you might get a, a few trees knocked down and nothing happens. But this time. The mayor at the time, he got on the news and he said, it's going to be like Hurricane Betsy. Now, Hurricane Betsy was a hurricane that hit in my grandma's days. And so she remembered that it was it was it was like Katrina, but it wasn't as bad. But they had to get on boats and, you know, go around, on you know, like on boats and stuff like that. So it was a, of course, it was a lot of water. And she just said, you know, if it's going to be like this, we have to leave. So it was really my grandma's idea to leave and so it was um it was it was me i have a younger sister my grandma and grandpa and one of our cousins that was in the car and my mama stayed at the time i didn't know where my daddy was at but my mama she was working in the french quarter and she actually stayed and so it was just us for for a long time and for a long time we didn't know who was alive who was dead wow. because when you say a long time how, how long are you talking um probably months Probably a wow. couple of months i'm thinking like maybe t like two months two and a half so months left, or something like that you left new orleans where'd you go I went to Houston. I wow, went to Houston man. first. I went to yeah. I went to Houston first, and we was just we was like I said, we was living in hotels. It sounds stuff. like a disarray that you cannot imagine unless you're in it. Yeah, it's, everything's in disarray. You're not going to school. You're not. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, it's just it, everything. I suppose is suspended. Mm -hmm. Reality is suspended, I presume. Yeah, you know? and you're just waiting day on day. Basically, that's exactly what what, what it was. What and did you do as a 16 year old? Because you know you got more energy than most than 10 men, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you'd have wanted to do things. Are you cooped up in a hotel? I mean, what 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 did you do with yourself? Um, we was kind of just going through the motions. To be honest, it was nothing that we really could do except for 
do what was supposed to be done, I guess. You know, we I remember we was waiting a lot of lines, long, long lines every day because all the people that left New Orleans and went to Houston, we was we always like trying to get free stuff, hotels, yeah. clothing. And when I left, I only I, I brought three shirts, two pair of pants, one pair of shoes, one pair of socks, and two pair of drawers. And that's all I had for, like I said, like months. Two, like two, I think two months. It's like being like a that. refugee in a war zone, isn't it? Basically, it's and, the and, same thing. And that's, that's kind of, you, know? you know, and it's the sad part that, like, that's what they was calling us. They was calling us refugees, and it was in our own country. And I actually, so I talked to a marine, um, actually a navy, a former navy seal, and he said, like, out of all the things he's been through in his life, and he's been through a lot. Of course, navy seal's been through, you know, yeah. hell and back. Mm. He said one of the worst things he's seen is Hurricane Katrina. And the reason because of that is because you had a, a something so tragic that happened in our own country. And you had the water was sitting there. Like, thank God that we left two days before, a day, one day before, but the water was sitting in for two weeks. Like, I mean, you got water just sitting in the city for two weeks. And, at, and during that time, you have babies and old people that they was on the roofs. Um, they was at the convention center. Um, people was just dying. People was dying in the street. And then on top of that, then when they evacuated the people to the Superdome, you know, that's our big football yep. stadium over mm -hmm. there. They went to the Superdome. I remember all the the shots. They, it was people. Yeah. I mean, I heard it was like it was it was literally like hell in there. They say you know it was it was it was people getting raped. Um, people going to the bathroom. Wow. Nobody couldn't go to the bath. It was, the bathrooms was overfl uh, overflowing. You had to go in the bathroom on the floor. Um, somebody, somebody committed suicide. Somebody jumped off the top in front of everybody. Just jumped off the top and, and killed himself. Um, it was just a lot of stuff going on. And I heard, I heard even worse stories. So for me, to be in Houston at the time, like I said, we was, you know, we was homeless for a long time. We was staying in a hotel. We was living in hotels. And then we went to, um, uh, like somebody, like a, a family friends, um, landed, like living in their garage and stuff. So for us, that was like Disneyland compared to wow. what the people in New Orleans went through. You know, they actually yeah. stayed because they had to go stay in the Superdome around all these people and all this crime is going on. And then on top of that, you know, the prisoners got out. And so once the prisoners got out, they was jumping in the water, you know, because the guards couldn't handle them either. So they was jumping in the water. They was swimming off too. And I mean, I heard, I mean, I heard a bunch of stories. I heard one story about it was this man and he had his two kids on the roof with him. And it was, there was, of course, they was waiting and stuff. And, and an alligator came and took one of his kids off wow. the roof, wow. straight in front of his face. So, I mean, I heard, I, I mean, I heard a, a, a bunch of stories about it, you know. So for me, like I said, it was, it wasn't nothing compared to the people that actually stayed, that stayed in New Orleans because they stayed there for two weeks in hell. Mm -hmm. Like for us, you know, we was we was just going from hotel to hotel. We were standing in lines, you know, 10 hours a day. But that, you know, of course, that's, you know, that's a hassle, but it's nothing like, you know, being in, in that hell. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm glad that my grandma told us, like, we need to leave. And, and that's what we did. Do stick with us uh, because this man has got a fascinating story. And obviously... He is, uh, he's making his way right up the uh, rankings when it comes to pound-for-pound pound fighters. He's obviously a world champion at Super Lightweight. I'm going to continue this conversation with Regis Pagray in a moment or two. You're listening to Talk Sport. There is a bit of needle there between me and him, but I think that's because I think I'm better than him and he thinks he's better than me. 
and we're going to settle it on fight night. I truly believe that there's only one winner and it's me. If he comes to fight like what Baranchek did and tries to come and walk me down, I'll knock him out. I really think I'll knock him out. And if he has to try and box and move like the way he does his slip sort of movement, I'll beat him at that all night long as well. I always had, really, if you look at most of my opponents, they all been bigger than me, you know, like, um, Undango, he's, of course, he's not Josh Taylor, but he was actually bigger than Josh Taylor. He was taller than him. He had an aqua style and stuff like that, too. So, I mean, nah, I don't I don't think um, size never made a difference to me anyway. I always fought people bigger than me. So that's just how, that's just my role, basically. In boxing role, I always fought people bigger than me. I always thought I was the favorite anyway. You know, even if I, even if the bookmakers had me not the favorite, I always thought I was the favorite anyway. I just think my style will give him fits. Uh, the dulcet tones of Josh Taylor and Regis Progray ahead of their world title unification next weekend. The WBA champ and the IBF champ going at it in the super lightweight division in the final of the World Boxing Super Series. We're very blessed uh, to have that not only on British soil, but also to have Regis Progray in the studio with If you've only just joined us, by the way, uh, Regis has been telling us about um, 2005 when he was forced to relocate to Houston, Texas um, off the back of uh, Hurricane Katrina. Um, and you got to the point there where obviously you're in Texas now, you're mm-hmm. watching a lot of this unfold on the news, not knowing mm-hmm. where your family's at, your your uh, mother and your father. Mm-hmm. At what point did you did you hear from them? At what point did you hear from your extended family? Because for those that have only just joined us, you've evacuated with your little sister mm-hmm. and your grandparents at this point, at, mm-hmm. the, at this point in time. Yeah. So um so it was I think it was, like I said, it was a couple of months. All our phones was out. No, no, no phones was working and stuff like that. You couldn't call nobody. Everything was, everything was dead. So we, it was, it was a scary feeling because you don't know who is alive. You don't know where nobody's at. Like I was away from my mama. I don't know where my mom was at. My dad, I didn't know where he was at either at the time. So. And you're a 16 year old boy at this 16, time. 16, 16. But I, I had to be. I wasn't. A, I wasn't a boy at 16. Yeah. I was. A, I was actually a man because I had to grow up. My my daddy. But but even before that, my daddy always told me I I had to grow up early. Like I was gonna have to be a man early because ever since I was young, all the kids around the block they always kind of you know like um just was attracted to me and always want to follow me all the time all the kids even like my say my little sister my cousins even my friends they always kind of just was just i i just always had this like you were a magnet, role, role, a role model yeah. i guess yeah. you can say and they always kind the of just always try yeah the leader of gang something like that <laughs> so they always that. try to they always was just around me they always yeah. kind of want to be like me but going back to the katrina story you know so it was I, we was all sitting in the hotel room and me, my grandma, my sister, and, and my cousins and stuff. And so somebody came with the idea. was like, let's, let's text them. Let's see if they... Because we, we kind of just forgot about communication because we was calling, we was texting, and we was doing everything we could. And it just it just wasn't working. Nothing must was felt going like through. the world has ended. It was know? just like nothing is going through. So we trying to get in touch with my mom. It was like, let's text. And so... I was the first one actually that did. I text my mama. And she texts back. Whoa. And so that was like... Now we got communication because for like I said for for I think it was six about six to eight weeks it was no communication you couldn't call you couldn't text you couldn't do nothing that was before social media so you couldn't do nothing everything mm. was gone everything was out so we was just in you know everything was blank at that time. Do you think that this incredible experience that you don't talk about in uh, as if it was a trauma for you which I'm mm. sure it is deep inside you somewhere? 
turned you into the fighter you are today, the survivor you are in the ring, all those things, that it brought mm -hmm. that out in you, that you knew you'd beaten this force majeure, as we call these mm -hmm. catastrophic Earth events. Yeah, I think so, for sure. I mean, um, it, like I said, it just it, it kind of forced me to grow up early, you know, because I had to like I had to be the man of the house at an early, you know, at a very early age, you know. So, and even like I had to be before, like I said before that, I had to be the man of the house, and then that happened, and so you have to be the man of the house and have everything put together, and then this happens, and then not just the man of like my house, but like the man of my family at the time, you know, because mm. I was, you know, it was my grandpa's old, so. Um, my grandpa actually just made 90, 91 now. So, you know, you're talking about 13 years ago. He's still real old, you know. Um, mm -hmm. So I still kind of had to be, you know, like a, a man and, and grow up. And, you know, so just going through something like that at a young age, it did. It, I know it, it It very, it hardened me. It hardened me a lot. And, um, you know, that's but I'm I'm always grateful for it because I know. If it, if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't. I always said it. If it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be here. Wow. I wouldn't have never moved to Houston. I would have never left New Orleans um, and moved to Houston. And, you know, and then once I moved to Houston, that's kind of when I took off. Do you think you still would have gone into boxing? I, yeah, I definitely. Because I, I loved the boxing. I loved it, you know, but it, it wouldn't have been like it is now. Like yeah. the, New Orleans, the, the boxing in New Orleans is just different from the boxing in Texas. You know, in Texas, just like I was saying on interviews, you know, like it's just... To even get to, um, like a, a state, you gotta go through killers after killer after killer. These Mexican dudes are tough, and that's what we come up with. You, I mean, you coming up with just not nonstop good opponents, and so, um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I know that you know if 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 it wasn't for the storm, I definitely would have probably would have been in boxing, but I probably been an opponent or something like that. Mm. Do stick with us, fascinating, because from that story. We are now obviously talking to a world champion and I want to get through that narrative and obviously build up towards next weekend's fantastic clash uh, in the World Boxing Super Series final. You are listening to TalkSport. Don't go anywhere. Uh, it is fight night on TalkSport with me, Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davis. I can see out the corner of my eye that up in Newcastle, uh, Ted Cheeseman is just about to make his ring walk ahead of his fight with Scott Fitzgerald. We will keep you across that. However, more pressing news for us is that we've got uh, Regis Progre in the studio right now and I'm fascinated by his story. If you've missed any part of it, it will be available on the podcast. Please download it. Uh, because he's just been telling us about the time he was evacuated from New Orleans off the back of Hurricane Katrina, moving to Houston, and then he takes up this wonderful world of boxing. And we now know what the end product is because you become world champion and we're going to see you in action next weekend mm -hmm. at the O2 Arena. But talk to me about, as a young boy, 16 years of age, off the back of Hurricane Katrina, mm -hmm. starting to spar, right, in yeah. Houston, Texas. Mm -hmm. uh, because anybody that knows anything about boxing... Well, there's a couple of killers knocking about in there, my friend. There's some. Sh yeah. It's a bit. It's a serious shark tank to go and get yourself involved in. Yeah, exactly. You know, the, the so the first time I went sparring Houston, I actually hurt because I I, did, I was like fresh. I was you know I was just coming. I barely had any. I had like one or two amateur fights in New Orleans in that summertime before I started. So when I came out there, I was of course I was fresh, just a novice and stuff. And so they put me in there, the coach at the time, he put me in there with somebody that was same thing like me, fresh. And I sparred with him. And he said that I hit him so hard that he saw the punch come out the dude back. <laughs> and so wow. he was like, you cannot, like, he was like, you can't spar with the, the novice no more. You can't. You have to. So for me, 
I started spawning with like, you know, the Charlo twins and stuff, mm -hmm. you know, that we all kind of came up together. I started spawning with them. And just, you know, and at the time, I was just coming in. Had so you were thrown straight into the top of the food chain, basically. I was thrown into the lion's Boom. den. As <laughs> soon as I got in, because I couldn't, like I said, I couldn't spawn with... And they smelled fresh meat, so they were on you. They yeah. were ready. And I, I, and I used to... I literally, I used to get my nose bust because my nose used to bust real easy. And not even... Not even easy. I used to always like when I was young. I used to um wake up and my my pillow would be red from wow. just yeah my nose would be busted and stuff like that in my sleep or whatever. So of course <laughs> when I spar, it just run and so I used to get my nose bust every single day. I mm. I remember one I kept a shirt and it was with all the blood on it and it was of course after a while it's it's brown in the whole shirt <laughs> it was a white shirt and it was brown from all the blood and so I did that for years and years and years. And I just, for me, I just kept getting beat up. I kept getting whooped. But I always, for me, I, it wasn't like I would just get beat up to where I always could take a punch. And and mm -hmm. I always kind of prided myself on that when I was an amateur. Because I I can take 10, but if I give, when I give when I give you that one, I'm going to hurt you. I know that for sure. So I'll take 10. I'll take them, keep coming, keep coming and, and take them. But I know when I hit you, you're going to feel me. And so that's kind of how I came up. And like I said, I, I was born with the Charlo twins and they was going to nationals and all this stuff. And I was just coming up two or three fights and just coming up. And, and they're, that's big, kinda, they're big boys. Well, they they wasn't like that at first. Okay. I was actually bigger than them when I first came. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They was like the same size. And at first I was a little bigger than them. They was the same size. And then out the blue, they just... They yeah. just they sprouted up, you know. Um, but that's like real close friends of mine. We all I sparred probably hundreds of rounds each with each one of them. Mm. It's, we're we're going to keep you up to date with uh, Ted Cheeseman and Scott Fitzgerald happening up in Newcastle right now for the British Light Middleweight title, the Super Welterweight, as they now call it. I like to call it Light Middleweight. Mm -hmm. um, what's fascinating about your style, as Adam talks about your career, is um, I what I'm so impressed with you is every time you fight. Throw you a Julius Indongo, very awkward style, not an issue. You don't see the style, you just go to work and make it your fight. Terry Flanagan, awkward campaigner, mm -hmm. you own him. And I love Terry and he's a friend of ours, friend of the shows, mm -hmm. but you owned him that night. Mm -hmm. You seem to be able to to adjust your IQ for whoever the opponent is. Yeah. is. Did that come from those years of very hard sparring then? And like you say, these different styles, these Mexicans that you want to take your head off, the Puerto Ricans, like, who's this guy? Mm -hmm. We're going to deal with Progre right now. Yeah. But they can't do it because you've been through it so many times. Yeah. You've bled, if you like, for it onto that shirt yeah. that's now brown so many times because you want to bleed on all the shirts. Yeah, yeah. Presumably you just wore it every time because you knew you were going to bleed on it. Um, it's You've done your education, if you like. Mm -hmm. Is that what you you mean by that when you went there to to Houston? Uh, basically, it is. It come from the sparring, and I just I'm a I'm a I'm a historian, and I'm a fan of the old school boxing. So I just I mean, almost any fighter you can name, the mm -hmm. great fighters you can name, I watch from their pro debut until they their career ended. So I was you're going to ask you, who are your heroes? Who do you look at? Because when I watch you fight, I can watch one fight and I'll see glimpses of something and then I'll watch another fight and it'll be very, very different and it'll be a glimpses of something else. Colonel Whitaker, exactly. Roy yeah. Jones Jr., bits of Mayweather, so, flicking the elbow around to get to the body. You know, Mike you Tyson was showing it the other day. Did you see that on... I saw that. You know, you like that as well. It's, it's like old school street fighting in America, mm -hmm. isn't it? Yeah, you know? exactly. But they're all very different styles there. I mean, all very who different stands styles. out for so, you I when mean, you're a kid? So... When I when I when I first was coming up, it was Tyson. 
yeah. Tyson was the Tyson was the man that I was just like mm-hmm. and Tyson, you know, he was the champion, I think, 1989. Now, that's the year I was born. So, of course, I didn't see him coming up and stuff like that. But one day I was watching... Um, I was watching old highlights of Mike Tyson and I just saw like this little short cocky man just knocking out these giants and I was like I want to be like that one day I definitely want to be like that so I just it was everything was Tyson I want to be like Tyson want to be like Tyson then of course you know went to Houston and stuff and then um, especially like when I turned pro I started studying different styles and then find out Tyson's favorite fighter is the Roberto Duran yeah and that's like I love Duran. Now like it's between Tyson and Duran. I can see that in 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 the Especially Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just I mean I in the how I I think my IQ shot up more than anything was after watching Pernell Whitaker. As a Southpaw, you have to watch Pernell Whitaker. Of course you it's, do. Yeah. You you have to. It's <laughs> it's any Southpaw, one on one Southpaw, that's the book. Pernell Whitaker, just watch him. It's just all you know. I, that's that's what I watch. But I know I have big power too, so. I watch Duran. I love Duran too. I, I just love his style. And sometimes I always go back and back and forth in my head. Who will win? Duran or Duran or Pernell? Who will win out those two? And it's I don't know. I can't I can't even say. You gotta catch you gotta catch Pernell first though, haven't you? That's the say <laughs> that's the thing, you know. And um if you look at, you know, Benitez, he gave him trouble because of the defense, you mm-hmm. know. But at the same time, I don't know. With Duran, he was so strong and you know, it, it's it's a toss up, you know. But then I I watched I watched Purnell, and my IQ shot up as a southpaw. It just shot out the roof. And after that, um, I watched Sugar Ray Leonard. And watching him, my 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 IQ just shot up. And I don't know if you know, um, is and then I was sparring with Ricardo Williams. I don't know if y'all remember Ricardo Williams. Yeah. He was yeah, he was Olympian, and I I sparred with him. And after that, my my IQ shot. It just kept my eye, and all that was around the same time when I was when I was watching Purnell, when I was watching Sugar Ray Leonard, when I was watching Duran, and then I was spawned with Ricardo Williams. My IQ just shot. It was just shooting. It just kept going higher and higher and higher, and um, that's what I feel like I credit that to because you know it's boxing is of course it's physical, but it's it's more mental than anything. So. You know, that's that's kind of one of the fascinating things. Uh, you know, in in the annoying thing at this stage, Adam and I get asked this a lot by different publications and different stations and different shows on this station. What's your pick for a Saturday night between Regis and and um, Josh? Mm-hmm. And it's a really hard fight to pick because. Mm-hmm. We all know that it will come down to what you two do in those 12 rounds. And the weird thing is you talk to you and you talk to him and there is not, and, you, and, you, and you, you're doing it now, you're emanating it. Yeah. There is not a chink of disbelief in your own armour. Yeah. That, 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 you're, you are so convincing and you are convincing. Mm-hmm. But it, it, where does that come from? Where does that, where does that lack of any self-doubt come from? Uh, I just, I'm fully confident. You know, um, I just, I, I'm just always like that. You know, as a, as a, as a champion, as a great champion, I studied the greats. The thing was confidence. You have to be confident. You can never go in the ring mm. thinking that, um, I'm, you know, I, I can have a, I, it's a possibility that I'm going to lose. You know, for me, it's not a possibility. But behind that is that knowledge of what you can do that we haven't even seen yet as well. That's what I feel. You yeah, know, that's surely, what, I, that's what know. I feel because, you know, even, you know, you're looking at his fights, he has 15 fights and most of the fights he looked the same, you know. And, and for me, just like you said, my fights, they all look different. You know, with, uh, with Flanagan, my fight looked look different. You know, I with, with Undango, my fight looked different. 
with Relic, my fight looked different. I do different things for different fighters. You know, mm. I always adjust. I, every time I fight somebody, I'm I'm always gonna adjust to them. And then on top of that, you know, I'm a dog. That's that's one thing You're that a proper dog. Yeah, I'm a dog. After you that's one a, thing yeah, that if yeah. if it comes down to it, you I'm gonna end you. I'm a dog. Yeah. Like I know, that. know that. I don't have yeah. to be. You yeah. know, and my coach he gets mad that he gets mad at me yeah. a lot because. I, I love to fight. That's my natural nature is to fight. When I can't, like I said, when I came from New Orleans to Houston, I used to get my nose bust all the time because I love to fight. It wasn't nothing. Me boxing, it, it was just fighting. Mm. That's it. It wasn't about, you know, hit and not be hit. For me, it was like, I'm going to beat you up. Yes. That's all I want to do. The thing is, you've got the skills to pay the bills, but at certain points when you are fighting the elites, mm -hmm. you're going to be asked questions. Exactly. And you are going to need to know whether you are a dog or not. And you're going to exactly. have to go to a place that you don't necessarily but want But there's a time not to be the dog as well, isn't there? It's the time not the to be. Because the coach will say, you can box this guy. Exactly, exactly. He'll say... He, he's putting his yeah, finger... Yeah, of course, he's, yeah. he's going, yes, push <laughs> it on him, push it on him, make him say it publicly. It's, no, because Taylor's got the dog in him as well. Mm -hmm. So you make it more of a 50-50 if you both go dog at dog. But you, but you believe you have the better boxing skills. You believe you can outbox him, but you can also stun him with your power. Yeah, I mean, this I, is the I think theory I have the I've more, got I, in my yeah, preview I, I anyway. Think, I think I have the more dog too. To be <laughs> yes, honest, I think I have the I I think I have the more dog too. You know, nobody. I have twenty four fights with twenty knockouts, and nobody's seen the dog come out yet. Nobody's seen it. It's I'm only not going to argue with you, Regis. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm not, I'm I'm not, not here to argue, argue either. But it's, it's nobody has seen the dog come out yet. Like, what I really can do. Nobody has seen me. Nobody's pushed you to that limit yet. Nobody's pushed me to that limit. Only, like I said, only in sparring. And it's stuff obvious like that. it's there. It's obvious. I can it's see there. it in his eyes. We, we, it's obvious. We've seen enough fighters and enough fights. We know it's there. We know. We don't doubt you, but believe me. Do, do stick with us. Uh, Richie's going to stick around for one more section. Hopefully you're enjoying this, and I'm sure you are. And if you missed any part of it, it will be available on the podcast directly after the show. Stick with us. This is TalkSport. Uh, this is Fight Night on TalkSport with me, Adam Catterall, and Gareth A. Davis. Regis Pograde was only booked for half an hour, but he's that good in the ring and that good out the ring, we've decided to keep him for as long as we possibly can. Till about midnight. Well, you know, yeah, don't tell his PR yet. Don't tell, don't, don't, don't tell him. Um, uh, Regis, obviously, next weekend mm -hmm. at the O2 Arena, you and Josh Taylor going at it in the World Boxing Super Series final. Mm -hmm. We know what you do. What do you see in him? Do you, do, first of all, what do you see regarding his talents? And what do you see regarding the chinks in his armour? Um, first off, I respect him. You know, he's a, he's a world champion. You don't get like you don't get there for nothing. You know, he's an undefeated world champion. And you don't get there for nothing. Um, I mean, I respect him totally. And I, I've been saying this even before going in. It is number one versus number two. I feel like he's the best in the world at 140 after me. I feel like he's the best one. Um too bad we have to fight right now, but that's just how it goes, you know. But I do. I respect him. I, I respect him fully. I think he's a real good fighter. He's tall. He's long. He has power. He has, you know, he has quick feet. And it looked like, it, it does look like, you know, he could definitely take a punch, you know. So, I mean, I respect, I respect Taylor fully, but I just don't see him, how he can beat me with my style. My style being the way it is. And I just feel like I know he's been hurt. He's been hurt by Postal. He's been hurt by Baranchek. And um, I'm not neither one of them. I might have more power than both of them put together. And I'm more explosive for sure than both of them. And um, and not and on top of that, I'm more accurate. You know, that's the thing. Mm -hmm. And I know when to punch. I know, you know, I just, I, I know it's not going to be like with Baranchek. 
Um, you know, he was wild. He was hitting them with stuff, but he was just real wild swinging. It, with me, that's not nothing that is is not gonna be there. And I'm I'm fast. I just I feel like you know I have I just have too many advantages. And even I feel like even if like we all know he's taller than me, that's a fact. His arms are longer than mine. That's a fact. Um, he said he's faster than me. He's probably just as strong. He has more dog. Even if he had all those advantages over me, I still think he can't beat me. That's just that's just how I feel. Just because of styles make fights. And I think I really think that, you know, my style will give him fits. How much are you looking forward to fighting in front of uh, a UK audience? I mean, I, I this is a dream come true. To be honest, you know, I'm. I always, Sorry, right. but it's fine. Well, they, it's they, nearly ten o'clock. All right, all right. We'll, we'll they say, it. all right. That's they say, man. That's that's BS. He just saying it because he out there. No, I really always want to come here and fight because because of the fans, you know. And I feel like this is a step to superstardom. After mm-hmm. this, it's gonna be like the whole world should know. Yeah. You know, should really know how good I am now. The boxing world knows. You know, it, it, most of the people in the boxing world know me. You know, but. After this fight, the whole world should know, and it's because I am fighting here. If they offered, you know, at first I think, you know, we wanted the fight to be, have the most publicity. You know, that was the thing about, you know, my management and my promoters. They was like, yeah, probably had a fight in New York. Um, And they were saying maybe because, you know, it'll get the most press out there. But then they said, bring it to London at the O2. I was like, man, that's a no-brainer you gotta bring it out there because the fight could potentially be big in New York don't get me wrong I think it could be but I don't think it'll be big as it is out here I just I just don't see it it's a very big time for us in this country with you know what we've got going on you know we've got the giant six foot nine Tyson Fury stepping Mm -hmm. over to WWE we've got people up in arms that Anthony Joshua is fighting Andy Ruiz in Saudi Arabia because Mm -hmm. of human rights records we've got fight sports front center and middle of all the mainstream media and there's a lot of interest in it i mean i think you've come here at a time i mean a few weeks ago when we were at the o2 arena for uh, vasil lomachenko and mm-hmm. luke campbell it was another very big week mm-hmm. um there's an appetite for it vasil lomachenko alexander usik so many of these other guys have told adam and i um, over the last couple of years, coming here is and being appreciated by the British fans at the moment. Even Bob Arum will say it as mm-hmm. well um, that that it's a great time to be appreciated by the the British boxing fan because they really do appreciate you, and mm-hmm. you've kind of experienced it on a small scale by yeah. just being out and about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, people people been noticing me. You know, like I'm waiting. I'm, I don't live here. I'm way across the pond, like y'all say. I'm way overseas, and people, like, I walk in the mall, people notice me. I'm walking down the street, people notice me. You know, they, they here they really appreciate boxing. Mm. And it's, it's, right now, it's, it's not like that, you know, back home. But over here, it is. They really appreciate it. Your, your, uh, your ring walks are well famous, my friend. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk about the nickname, Rougarou. Mm-hmm. Um, First of all, how big is the mask going to be on uh, Ring Walk next week? Because it's, for it's those the that, same no, mask. <laughs> it's the that, same one. It's the same mask. For those that haven't seen you, you do come in with a mask. Just talk to me about, because it is, it's a mythical character mm-hmm. that you've adopted the nickname of. Firstly, how has it come about and tell me about the character? Well, um, so to be honest, I didn't like the name at first. Okay. Really? Who came, I who came I up did, with it? My, it was, so at the time, it was my daddy and my former manager. Okay. They was like, I was 4-0 or something like that, and I needed a nickname 
and they was they were shooting out all kinds of things. I think my I don't know who else was in the conversation. They were shooting out all kinds of nicknames, and my daddy actually said the Ruguru. And so my manager was like, "That's it." I was like. I didn't even know what it was, to be honest. So I was like, man, I don't want to do that. I don't want the Ruguru and stuff. And then it was like, believe me, it's going to stick. And so, of course, I used it and stuff. And then my I had my 10th professional fight in Houston. And, you know, Mike Tyson, like I said, going back to that, Mike Tyson is my favorite fighter, was my favorite fighter. So I always wanted to come out with no shirt. Always, sure. like black Tyson. Boots, black yeah. I always wanted yeah, to come yeah. out like that. The black shoes, no shirt, the little yeah, small trunks yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. So I did that, Forced. but I had the mask on. <laughs> I had the mask on, and the people went crazy. And it was a small show, but all the people was giving the wolf howls and stuff. And I was like, this is it. Like, that's it. And so, I mean, since my tent fight, it been like that since. And, um, I mean, I'm loving it. Now we got a different mask. That was... I, I have to show you a picture after you've, you've the upgraded. old mask. You've upgraded the upgrade. Nah, this is a one to one. You know, it's the one in the world. It's a you know, it's it's just made only for me. What and is my the, son have one too? What is the character? It's a mythical the, werewolf. It's, is that right? it's like a, yeah. It's so basically, you know what the boogeyman is, right? Yeah. They 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 tell you the kids the boogeyman will get you. That's our version of the boogeyman. Basically, they they. Now it's some a new, people it's say a it's New Orleans real. stories. Yeah. It's a it, Louisiana, yeah, okay. Louisiana, yeah. It's like a Louisiana folklore. Type so, thing. so is it a kind of? I don't want to use the word voodoo necessarily, but is it? Is it? It's the boogeyman. It's yeah, the rougarou. It's the. It's the. Rougarou. Stay away from the rougarou. But, but, but is do you have you has that spirit impugned itself on you now? Is it? Is it something? Is it a character that you that you get into now? Is it a mask um, in your in your psyche as well as physically a mask? <sighs> That's a good question. Um, I would say yeah, then I would say no. You have to be you definitely have to be a different person when you step in the ring. Um uh, I, I think maybe yes and maybe no. Maybe not the rural, but you have to be a different person. When I step in the ring, when yeah. I step through the ropes, I definitely have to be a different person. I can't be the same person I am right now. Mm. We come with that quite a lot, don't we? When we for example, Deontay Wilder is one of the ones that stands out the most. Every time we we have these type of conversations with Deontay. Mm-hmm. I go away from him thinking, what a lovely guy, man. He's a tremendous guy. But then you meet him on fight week and you're thinking, oh, yeah. stay out of the way. Yeah, I've had the, the hairdryer treatment <laughs> from a couple of inches away when he's the bronze bomber, you know. Where are your fury coming over here with his mental health issues and he gets all the sympathy and send him home. Yeah. Ah! And then you show it back to him. He's like, God, was I like that in fight week? But you do show, become show a different character. It's a different character. Yeah. You, you're not. You're just going in there. You're, you're ready to go anytime. Would you... That and you could just fight. yeah yeah I'm like that I can me I just see Josh Taylor right now and put the gloves on. Um, I was looking at you when you when his voice was playing in that in that package earlier and I could see the kind of your teeth grinding and everything. But um, serious point. Um, because I know you got to go out and see Central London tonight and all the lights and everything because everyone's dressed up around you apart from your trainer. Who, who's I'm actually going. I have to rest. So, oh, you have to rest. Okay. Yeah, I think they might be. They might be doing stuff. But oh, me, it's, 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 it's you. you it's you're, yeah, yeah. I got Yeah, I'm in training camp, so I can't really do nothing. I gotta go home and read books and stuff. Okay, so. but but um, on a serious note, um, the whole of the boxing world over the last four months has collapsed at times emotionally because there've been four deaths in the sport. It's yeah. a really inherently dangerous sport. You put your health and your life on the line yes you make a good living out of it now but you do it for our sports entertainment as mm-hmm. well um how did you feel this week about this young man that everyone's been absolutely brilliant about patrick day um and his opponent conwell has written some beautiful things yeah. how do you feel when a fellow fighter dies a few days after a fight what does it do to you and what did you think about this situation in the last week 
I mean, you know, the the main thing I've just been saying the whole week is, you know, I've been doing interviews forever, just saying it's sad. It, it really is, you know. It's just a it's a tragedy, you know, that this happened. Now, I didn't know Patrick Day personally, but, of course, I met him a few times, and he just seemed like a real just down-to-earth, nice, fun, loving person, just mm-hmm. always smiling, you know. And, um, I mean, it's it's hard for me to even think like that because I have I, – I fight in a week, you know, of course, a, a dangerous fight also, but – is I mean it's just it's kind of you you want to say it's part of the sport but it shouldn't be but it's just it just show you how dangerous boxing is you don't play it really you really don't play boxing you know the object you you have you have football and like you say here football then you have American football and 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 um like I said basketball and all these other sports but you can get hurt but the objective in boxing is to hurt them that's it like it's not nothing else it's not supposed to be points and stuff like the objective. Is is to hurt your opponent. That's the only objective in the sport. So, I mean, it is, man. It's it's a very very dangerous sport. And you know, I was I was talking about this, um, I think yesterday or something like that when they was asking me. But I know as a fighter, I'm, it, it'll sound crazy, but as a fighter, you, you won't stop. Like I know how I am. Like I'm the I'm the same way. It's like you you won't stop from what I from what I know about boxing and from having a, if you have a fighter's heart mm-hmm. no matter what's going on with you no matter if your head hurting or nothing like that in the fight I know how I am I'm not gonna stop and like I said it does sound crazy you know I even even hearing my own self talk in the in the mic or in a headphone but it's just like I know I know the same way about me it's just like you you have to kill me in the ring and it sounds crazy I have kids I got family I got a lot of people that depend on me and love me and stuff but that's just like our mentality. But that's why this is the most fascinating sport Absolutely. on earth and you characters are, and that's why we love you so much, mm. because you can't be more committed than you are. You more, you almost have to do what you do. You're born to it. Mm-hmm. You're made for it, aren't you? You know? Yeah, yeah you def- I mean, being a fighter, is being a boxer is definitely, you have to be a different type of person. You, mm. you have to be. You know, if people don't know about this, you have to be a different type of person. To be a boxer, to be any type of fighter, you have to, it's just, people ask me the same thing about my kids and stuff. Would you want your kids to fight? Hell no. Because you <laughs> got to be, it's Absolutely. different. You got to be a different type of person. You have to have that hardness about you that's, and that's, that's in you. That's you're born with that. It, it's nothing that I don't. I think I don't think it's nothing that you can develop. It's something that you have to be born with. And um, like I said, I don't. I don't think you know. That's why I say my kids. I don't think my kids have that. They have everything. You know, they didn't have to. They have the silver spoon in their mouth already. Mm-hmm. They don't have to fight. You know, they don't have to fight for it. I had. I did that for them. You Hallelujah. Know, so. Anyway. Yeah. 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 I had. I have to do that for them. You know, but. At the end of the day, I still love the sport. You know, no matter what happens, you know, you look at it's a lot of other sports that's dangerous. It's just it's so bad in boxing because, like, you'll see a death and it can happen right live in front of your face on TV, and it happens from another person. That's mm-hmm. the I think that's the bad thing about boxing because you have a lot of other dangerous sports. You know, you have like something I do now is free diving. That's that's very dangerous. You got motorcycle racing. You like a bit of that as well, don't you? Motorcycles. Yeah. Now, I don't. I, I don't. Not get anymore. Not anymore. I, I, I got one at home, but I don't. We've talked about that. And you done wrestling with alligators. And you uh, swim with sharks. Right you're now, you know lunatic. what? Listen, you're for a right lunatic. Now, for right it. now, for this camp. I did. I did not jump on a motorcycle for this camp. Yeah, I my made mate jumped sure. in the water with the sharks, though, didn't you? That was before the camp. <laughs> that was before. No, it was during the camp, but it was. It, it was. It was during the camp. But 
Motorcycles are more dangerous than the ocean, I think. More dangerous than sharks, mm. for sure. We're going to have a lot of fun with yeah, you next right. week, aren't Listen, we? Listen, God, yeah. God bless you. Thank you so yeah, much, thank thank you so you so much. for being on the show. It's mm -hmm. been an absolute rivet. We'll speak to you throughout the course of the week, no doubt, as we build up towards uh, next weekend. I'm sure you've thoroughly enjoyed uh, hearing from Regis Pagreb, which will be available on the podcast uh, on the TalkSport website after the show. Do stick around, because we've got quite a lot still to get through uh, here on Fight Night. On DAB Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM, Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davis on Talk Sport. Uh, it's Fight Night on Talk Sport. I'm Adam Catterall, Gareth A. Davis alongside me. The guests are going to keep coming thick and fast if you've only just joined us. Uh, Regis Progress has been in the studio for the last hour. What a fascinating guy. An amazing story. You must listen. If you haven't listened to the first hour, you've got to download the podcast, but also watch all the coverage of Regis Prograde next week against Josh Taylor because they are two fascinating characters. What a story he's got from New Orleans. What an upbringing. Mm. You know, um, his... his his, some of his teenage months and years stolen away by the hurricane, the, the trauma that's deep in there that, that isn't, for me, comes out when he fights. Mm. He's like a hurricane, isn't he? Mm. You know, he's explosive. Well, he's, he's got a tornado next week, my friend. He has got, in, he's, in, he's uh, got the tornado Taylor. from Preston Pens. Yeah, it's going to be incredible. It's going to be a great fight. The um, Tartan tornado. But like I said, if you missed any part of that, you can get it on the TalkSport website or via iTunes directly after the show. And as I said, the guests are coming thick and fast. Now, let me tell you. Last week, I'm sat in the studio doing the show and I'm thinking to myself, here we go. They're all singing, marching on together. They've all got their flags out. They're all going crazy in Leeds. Next thing you know, speaking of hurricanes, speaking of tornadoes, Josh Warrington goes through his opponent like a dose of salts and makes another statement in the featherweight division. And he joins us right now. How, what? Are, how are you, mate? You good? I don't know. How are you, pal? Very well indeed. Uh, how are you? Yeah, bang on, mate. Lovely introduction. That really nice to put. Well, that's exactly job, you are. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's exactly what it was. A lot of people building up to last week. There were there were two main caveats when we were speaking to a lot of people in the media. One was Josh Warrington as focused for this fight as he was for previous fights, and second yeah. of all, the opponent that you're fighting never been stopped before, so it kind yeah. of had a lengthy fight written all over it. You didn't see them scripts, did you? You decided to uh, to get them done uh, nice and early and get off into town with everybody. Scripts. I never like them scripts, you know. Um, obviously, coming off the uh, Gallard fight, I wanted to you know, bring back a performance. I had said in media and all the build-up that I was going to bring a, an A-class performance. And that does put a little bit of pressure on your shoulders, especially when you're fighting at home. And then when you've got someone who... Oh, don't speak a word of the Queens. You know, these people always have you massively favourites anyway. Mm. Um, but, I, but I know what I'm capable of doing and I do feel like I'm kind of coming into my peak years now. And uh, you know, the way this camp went, um, the way that aspiring went and everything, I, I felt strong as, strong as an ox. And um, when I warmed up in change rooms, I thought to myself, oh, it's not going to last long, this one. But my fella kept on saying to me, I just want you to get a few rounds under your belt and try some new things out but you know when I put him down the second time I thought hey let's, let's just get a let's just clock off early for tonight eh? <laughs> <laughs> but you don't get paid for overtime pal you don't get paid for it <laughs> <laughs> well I did joke with my dad saying I'm just going to pay him you know per round and, and uh, <laughs> he, uh, right, he said a lot of words but I can't really tell say on radio <laughs> Josh, Josh I mean, we can hear it in what you're saying and, and, and I wrote this week and I've written a 
a column in Ring magazine, in the next magazine, that the most impressive thing about you is that you the other other we've seen other champions in the past almost I don't mean take a fight off, but you treated Sofian Takusht exactly the same way as you treated Lee Selby, Carl Frampton and Kit Galahad, mm. all threats. You treated them as a threat, and it says just how professional you are. We've seen it in the documentary about you. We see it in the last... Well, we've seen it in your entire career. And, you know, I love the humour now, whether you say, I can't punch, can I? You know, you're unbeaten in 30 fights. In my view... I think Frank Warren's got to take you to America now with 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 your your rabid support with your massive fan base. I would love to to see you go to America. I'd love to travel to America with you because there is that I think it's that Ricky Hatton moment yeah, for you now. Right. There, there there's a sense that you've got that momentum. I don't know if you feel like that if you get that sense that it's time to take your your fans and go abroad and go on tour with them. Yeah, definitely. I got to agree with that. Before this fight got announced, um, I'd gone for a meeting with Frank <clears throat> and uh, sat down and spoke to him. And I was pretty excited because I thought we've 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 done everybody over here now. There's not nobody of a serious challenge <laughs> in Europe. Correct. And the, the big the biggest names are over in the states. And mm. you know me, I got me. I won the world title. I got my first defences. Uh, Carl Thompson. I'm all about the big challenges. I think. It brings the very best out of me, but um, you know, I thought that we were going to be looking at Santa Cruz of Alves. I talked about wanting to, you know, unify the division. I've talked talked about wanting to be, you know, the Ring Magazine champions, the number the number one. But um, you know, it, it seemed, or it's proving harder to, yeah. to make these unification fights. And uh, well, they keep moving up, Josh. They keep moving well, up in weight. What is that? Why is that? Why are they why are they moving up in weight? When, with all due respect to the guys in the the above weight category. With the amount of fans that you can bring to the table, with the amount yeah. of eyes that you can bring from the UK for for a pay per view event, yeah. why yeah. are the likes of Valdez, why are the likes of Leo Santa Cruz moving up in weight? Because surely you are the money fight. Well, I have no idea, mate. I don't I have no idea. I mean, I don't consider myself like a like a scary fighter or like that. So I mean, it's it's, it's obviously out there looking at me. I mean, at this moment in time, I'm sat in my pajamas. <laughs> uh, I've just finished off. Uh, a chicken tikka masala and onion badges while I'm punching boxing. Good lad. You know, but um, but I don't know, mate. I, I just think uh, there, there may be easier fights for him, shall we say? You know, like we talked about fighting in Santa Cruz and wanting to fight him, mm. and you know their team, their team was saying, well, there's other fights that they could they could have, which are still as big profiles and uh, and in it in big paydays, but maybe an easier challenge. And all of a sudden, this Josh Warrington's come from nowhere. Like not over here, but over there, they've probably not heard about me. And all of a sudden, I've come, come off on nowhere. Beat Lisa, they beat Carl Thompson, beat Kika Lad. Why do I want to take that fight? And you know, it's a little bit frustrating because obviously the Mexicans pride themselves on being, you know, to what what turn down a challenge, yeah. want to fight the best. But it seems like they're not living up to the name. Would you be prepared to fight, say, a Leo Santa Cruz or a Gary Russell Jr. on the? Uh, as the chief support to Tyson Fury against Deontay Wilder, for example? Or would you want your own event? I'd love to wideline it, but I'm just... You know, I'm in a position in my career, kind of, where I've never thought I'd be to this level. You know, I've got... Every time my career's moved on, I've set a, a couple of, of more goals, and, and you've got to have someone to win for, you've got to have a why, you've got to have a, what gets you up in the morning and what makes you grind at night. 
and, uh, and and then goals are my focus and, and my wise and I want to unify the division. Yeah, have a, you know, I'm a world champion now. I think I'll be, you know, like Gary Russell Jr. He's the only champion left. I think I'll beat him. He very rarely fights, though, Josh. He, you know what no, I mean? No, he only has one no. a year, so it's hard to get yeah, him out of bed, isn't it? He goes rusty. He goes rusty. <laughs> um, you've got Kanjo, who's WBA regular champion. Mm, but yeah. It's for me. For me, I don't know about you, Josh. Sorry to interrupt you. For me, there's two. You've just mentioned Kanzu there, right? That that probably does Ellen Road. I think a lot of people will get up for that uh, regarding a world title unification here in the UK. Um, But the big name, I know he fights. Is it next week? Shaker Stevenson. He's fighting for the WBO. That's probably the big name now in your weight division, isn't it? That you can go unify with. Yeah, I mean, he's been shouting and spurting his my name, but he himself talked about moving up as well. You know, and, and if he wins uh, that fight, which more likely will do, does he go into his, his first defence against me? Or does Bob Allen look after him and turn him or uh, start over there? Yeah. And then maybe save that for a little bit? And going back to your original question about uh, fighting on the undercard, listen, the amount of times I've had, I went to Vegas, I was down at Leeds match today watching uh, Leeds Birmingham, mm. and, you know, just going for a, just going for a pie at half-time, Josh, when we have to Vegas. We have to Vegas. The fans are itching for it, and it's about making memories yeah. as well as winning the big fights. So yeah, I just love to go over there, get my profile out there, and I think. Um, what about moving up then? Because they're running up, they're going, they're going up. So do you have to go with them? Listen, if if, if it were against one of them, Valdez or Santa Cruz, I think it'd be, I think it'd be fantastic. Um, anyway, it's ever super feather. So uh, you know, if, if if I got offered that fight. I have to strongly consider it. Oh, no, I want to take care of business at yeah. uh, Feather before I move up. But yeah, I didn't say that. I didn't say it. It must be you must be frustrated, mate, because like you say, you that everybody, everybody in the whole boxing world seems to be on board with it. But one or one or two lads that you just need to sign a contract with. Yeah, well, that's, they think it's as easy as that. I mean, bloody hell! I went from getting getting the Galad fight done and dusted, and uh, you know, speaking to Steve Wood and, and Frank Warren and thinking. It's going to happen. I went for a little while there with me, uh, with Mrs. and the girls. I come back and we had another meeting and it all fallen flat. Mm. And uh, it depressed me, mate. I've got to be honest with you, I was, I was, I'll pop it down about it. You know, yeah. I thought it's meant to get easier as a world champion, but it, it seems it gets even harder to make the fights. And uh, it shouldn't be like that. You know, you look at, I've said it um, a few times, you look at sports like UFC, they become immensely popular so quickly because the best ones fight the best. Yeah. And when you get to the top of the tree, why would you not want to test yourself against the very best? But Josh, they do burn out very quickly as well and they go like shooting stars. And one of the things that I do think... Um, listen, I'm not in your shoes. I don't walk that last mile that you walk to the ring and I, I'm not paying your mortgages and all those things. But um, in some ways, when I look at your career, you are at the peak of your powers right now. And things... that The Selby fight came at a brilliant time in the open air, in front of your fans. The Frampton fight came at a brilliant time. You've, As you say, I completely agree with you. You have dealt with everyone over here and you've you've gone beyond the call, I think, in the way you fought them. Your performances have been extraordinary. You've probably got three, three and a half years of your best years still ahead of you. It will happen. It, yeah, it yeah. will happen. And I think... I was said patient has got to prevail, but when you say that a shooting star, at the same time I don't want to be in this game forever. Right. Yeah. I mean as we've seen this week, what can uh, can be very, very cruel. Mm. It, it gives so much but it takes a lot as well. 
Mm. You know, and uh, I'm uh, like I say, I'm, I don't want to be like a flash in the pan and just go there and back in a few years. But and, you know, enjoy it. But like at the same time, I don't want to be stringing it out, stringing it out, chasing it. I don't get to a stage age when I'm like 33, knocking on door to 34, saying, "Oh, maybe it might come next year." Maybe I just exactly. Yeah. I want to strike well irons out for me. Well, that would be I'd a travesty rather... if you had to wait that long. I mean, it's got to know, be. No, no, it I... can't happen. That 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 can't be. That can't I be. Said, I said to Frank earlier this year. I said, "Listen." You know, Frank, please, I just said, just whatever you can, do whatever you can. I said, I want to fight one of the champions. I want to fight one of them now. And I said, after that, you know, you can feed me whatever you want. You can feed me your, your up-and-coming fighters. You yeah. like the Collins or whatever. Feed me then, but just let me have my opportunities. Try with another belt. Yeah. I keep on, one, I keep on waiting for this, like, test of these elite, elite, elite fighters. That's what I want to feel. I want to, I want to test myself against one of them. Mm. Did you I think you've beaten two elite fighters yeah, in Selby and Frampton, let's yeah, be yeah. honest here. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't, don't play it down. I mean, you know, Frampton beat Santa Cruz and lost to Santa Cruz. Selby beat some great fighters. I mean, you have beaten two elite fighters already. You, you, in many ways, Josh... He wants more. He's got the we, taste, man. He's ready to go exactly again. But no, it, exactly in many ways, Josh should just be getting big pay. paydays, from, in my view. Yeah, like I said, I think they come when you were like go over to like to the stateside to someone else's backyard, yeah. beat them, take their belt off them, and then all of a sudden you come back home. You've gone from just being a, a local hero to a to a national hero, and mm. uh, that's you know one of the one of the reasons why I want them fights. Mm. Um, did you have Papa Doms by the way? No, no, Papa Doms, and this is what's like it. What's uh, the crack with that, man? Well, you can't have well, Indian food without the Papa Doms well, and the chutneys, mate. Hey, hold on, hold on a minute. We've, go on. We've, We've got a tub of Ben and Jerry's in the freezer. So she's made it to it right there. See how it balances itself out, See. Adam. Yeah, <laughs> you, you've gone for dessert rather than starter. Fair play, mate. Yeah, I like yeah, it. Good yeah, lad. Yeah. Listen, you go and enjoy that Ben and Jerry's, mate. Take care. Thank you, mate. Always Cheers, Josh. Top man. Cheers, uh, Josh Warrington, who was superb last weekend uh, defending his IBF crown, and fingers crossed. I mean, he's got probably the best fan support in the UK. Boxing, pure fan support. They will travel. Fingers crossed we can either do New York or Vegas because it'll be an absolute barnstormer. Uh, stick with us. You're listening to Talk Sport. Still Snoop Dogg and D.I. Guess who's back? You are listening to Fight Night on Talk Sport. I'm Adam Catterall. Gareth A. Davis alongside me. We've had Regis Bregray in the studio. We've just been hearing from Josh Warrington as well. And if you've missed any part of it, it will be available as a podcast after the show. Um, up in Newcastle at this moment in time, there's a bit of a ding-dong going on between Scott Fitzgerald and Ted Cheeseman. They are now in the, in the 12th round. We'll keep you across it. Uh, following them, we are going to see uh, Lewis Ritson, who is from Newcastle, taking on a scouser in Robbie Davis Jr., um, and I am fascinated with that particular bout because I know that Regis says it a lot and uh, there were uh, a few other people that say it a lot throughout the course of the week on his particular fight, but that fight in Newcastle, when you use the term styles make fights, um, I don't think it could be more apparent for that particular fight because I think Lewis Ritson's got probably got about three or four rounds to to start Robbie Davis Jr. And if he doesn't, I would imagine that Robbie Davis Jr. would take over and box his ears off. Would you go along with that or not? Oh, I think it go a lot of different ways. I think Ritson's had his wake-up call. He had that against Francisco Patera, didn't he? That you can't just go in there and blast someone out. I think he's much more measured. Um, he's a smaller man. And what I noticed when I was up there in the week, he's, he's, a, he's a much shorter man than Robbie Davis Jr. He's a really long 140-pound fighter. I, can't, I, can't, I call them 140-pound fighters because I want to use light welterweight all the time rather than super lightweights, but that's what they are. Ritson's come up a weight. It's for the British title. Davis is a very 
very good operator and he's not given enough credit for how good he is. Yeah. Um, I do think if Fritzen can impose himself early, it is to his advantage. Um, what we need to see from him is being him being more measured in this fight. As we've seen from Cheeseman tonight, we're, as you say, we're in the 12th round against Scott Fitzgerald, and he's looked brilliant. I spoke to Tony Sims yesterday, by the way, his trainer who, who was heading up there this morning because he was training Nigel Benn yesterday over in, in the wilds of Essex. Um, Nigel Benn made me put this mask on, dripping with sweat that he'd been wearing. Listen, what you get up to in your own spare time, you're with, with Nigel Benn. With, yeah, with, with <laughs> the lovely Nigel Benn. But what he was saying about Ted was... You know, it's it's well documented that Ted had this gambling addiction. Yes, he's Ted, been he's been on here talking about it. Ted, it's it unbelievable what he told me about how Ted was blowing his money. Um, but this camp, when he when you remember when he's put his head out there for Sergio Garcia just yeah. to hit him in that fight. Well, he, he spoke just, he spoke about that on this show, hasn't he? He's, exactly. It was like he was looking for punishment for something that he was doing outside of the ring. Exactly. But he said this camp. The discipline that Ted has shown has been extraordinary. And you know what? We've seen it over 12 rounds tonight. And I think he's I think he's got an easy decision. He's won by eight rounds to four here, by my estimation. I know we were talk talking to Regis Progre during a lot of this fight that's been up here on the monitors. It surprised me that, I'm going to be honest with you. I, because it surprised me because be I, I because fancied Fitz. Yeah, initially. because coming into this, obviously Fitzgerald um, has got the momentum coming into this particular fight. Yeah. And Cheeseman, the last couple of times, just does, hasn't looked at the races. However... Every time I've looked up throughout the course of our conversations with people that we've been speaking to tonight, uh, Ted Cheeseman has been getting the upper hand and I wouldn't be surprised if it is him that gets yeah, his hand raised. Yeah, and even yeah. just now, yeah. um, as the fight has finished and I'm looking up at the monitor, you can tell um, that Ted Cheeseman is the one that's a little bit more optimistic with his hands uh, being yeah. raised as we yeah. await for the uh, official adjudication. But the main event that is going to follow this... Um, what a wonderful opportunity for both of these men to make not only a statement on the domestic level, but maybe to kick on with European ambitions. I know that Robbie Davis Jr. has been their European Commonwealth and British champion, but what an opportunity for one of them to make a bit of a statement with one of the main protagonists in their own country and maybe then get themselves a, a top-level European fight, which could be a stepping stone to something even greater. Well, it, well, Eddie Hearn, ever the promoter, we'll hear from him a little bit later, was pushing that forward, that if, if either of these two men look so good tonight, they could even be ringside looking at Progre against Taylor next weekend and, and pushing for that down the line. I mean, Lewis Ritz was saying, hang on a minute, you know, I've only just moved up to this weight division. Agreed. I want to, yeah, exactly, I want to develop. But someone like Robbie Davis Jr., you know, um, he, he's the kind of guy who wants those fights already. He's more, Listen, he's I don't, more experienced. 100%. I don't blame any of those boys for wanting that fight because that's the pinnacle of their division. But with all due respect, and I'm not blowing smoke up our guest's backside and his opponent next week, the, we're talking elite. elite. Yeah, I mean, we're talking crazy. Yeah. They are the creme de la creme well, of this particular division. Well, we, we t nowadays, we, 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 we use these terms within the industry and, and you know they're, they're not they're not masks but we talk about world champions and we talk about elite champions and there's a difference mm -hmm. there's a difference between you know Regis Progre and Josh Taylor are fighting for the ring magazine belts the number one in the division universally or globally rather than universally recognized there could be aliens out there better than 140 pounds you never know but <laughs> Can you and I bet there are and I bet there are I don't want Regis to hear that or, or Josh Taylor but no but the they are universally considered the best on the planet at that weight. Um, these guys, 
we were going to see tonight have a, have a, have a further have a, have, a, have a further step maybe two to make they know that they're realistic but what we do have tonight which is what I found staggering being up there for a couple of days this week Adam is the respect levels at the press conference by a packed press conference it was like ripples of applause at a cricket ground it won't be like that there tonight when Robbie Davis from Liverpool walks to the ring but the amazing support for Lewis Ritson he lost there a year ago remember we were there in Newcastle we were there and, and, and a year later it's still sold out that's what I love about the way the British fans particularly in these fight towns Manchester, Liverpool Newcastle, London mm. support their fighters it's, it's extraordinary really mm. Uh, well, we'll keep you across that main event, which is happening in Newcastle. Um, in fact, we'll just hang on for just a split second because I can see that both fighters, uh, Fitzgerald and Cheeseman, have made their way to the centre of the ring as uh, uh, the crowd gives them a round of applause for a great contest. It was very competitive, um, but I, I, I'm going to edge thinking that Cheeseman has got the decision here as we wait for the official adjudication uh, for these two gentlemen. Um, Mike Alexander, the referee, holding their, both their arms. I can, I can, I, there you go. It looks like Cheeseman's got it. Having said that, though, the way that they're reading these cards out, we haven't got sound in the studio. No. It might be a little bit of a split decision because he's, uh, he's reading it here, he's reading it there. And in fact, Fitzgerald has got the decision. Wow. There wow, you go. That's a shocker. Well, that I'm, looks like a shocker. I think I'm going to have to go back and watch that fight again because every time I looked up to the monitor, and I haven't watched it in its entirety, but every time I did look up, Cheeseman was most certainly getting the better of that fight. Um, I'll go back, watch it in full, and make a comment probably I've on Monday. I've got the, the scores here, Ed. It's 116, 113 twice, and 115, 113. Shows you can't really judge a fight Major while you're doing a radio show. M majority or split? Um... It's a unanimous decision victory. Wow. So we, we clearly were uh, talking to Regis rather than watching the entire fight. <laughs> Which is what we're actually so, getting so, paid to okay. do. <laughs> Slap me around the face hard. Um, I'll go back and have a little bit of a nausea. Yeah, no, it will be worth having a look. Um, yeah. We'll keep you up to date with the main event. Do stick with us. This is Fight Night on TalkSport. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Basically, when you say will it happen, he will fight for the world heavyweight title. I don't know who that's against, but he's in that position. He's mandatory challenger for the world heavyweight title. He's not going to let that slip. He's not going to pass on it. So, that's it. Alexander! Turns his man, good jab again there for Usyk. Can he pins him back in the corner again? And he throws back that right hand there with a spoon. But Usyk steps off to his left and looks to get to work. 30 seconds remaining in the round. Referee edging a little bit closer as well as these shots are landing. Be interested to see the corner here. What he do at the end of this round if Witherspoon makes it back? 
They need to Crazy. call it. They need to call it. And they have called it here because their man just doesn't want to go back out there for the start of the eighth round. We did learn an awful lot about Alexander Usyk there. It was never likely that we would. But having been out of the ring for, for nearly a year, it was good for him to get back out there, get those small gloves on. I am feel. I am very feel. Uh, the dulcet tones of Alexander Usyk, who made his heavyweight de uh, debut uh, last week against Chuz Witherspoon uh, and came through it, uh, stopping his man. Well, his man pulling out at the end of the uh, seventh round. Um, what did you make of it? Can we judge too much of it? I think we all expect certain things from Alexander Usyk, and I don't. I come away from it. I don't think I, I take any more than I originally thought of him. The opponent was the opponent. He did exactly what I anticipated him to do last weekend. The bigger tests are still to come, without any shadow of a doubt, in the heavyweight division for Alexander. Well, for a start, Chaz Witherspoon, you know, was a late replacement. He's 38 years of age. Um, Obviously, he's the second cousin of the former world champion, Tim Witherspoon. They tried to do things with Chaz and hasn't really worked. He's, you know, I think it's three fights in three years he's had. He, he had no ambition in the fight. He threw out the jab. Alexander danced around. He, you know, he looked good physically. Um, Are you happy with his weight, 215? Yeah, I don't think he should be any more than that. Okay. Um, that's what Ali was at his very best. He was the same size, six foot three. Very different um, heavyweights though now at six foot nine they, they and 260 are. pounds. They are, of course they are. They're all super heavyweights now. But um, that's going to be... You don't want... To, to be able to have the speed and precision and poise that Alexander has, I think he's got to be around that weight. Yeah. He's got to be able to dance, hasn't yeah. he? Because he's got to be able to move His against His attribute is speed against those it guys. It is, exactly. And if he's too heavy, he, you know, um, I, I thought he looked great. He always looks good. Um, but I think he was, he was up against kind of a division above a punch bag, basically. And yeah. so, you know... It, as, as the commentary team was saying there, we didn't really learn a lot about him at heavyweight other than mm. he's comfortable in there, he's ambitious. Um, and remember, Tyron Spong, I think, would have been a much better fight for him. Spong's are more ambitious. More durable. Uh, more durable. And so we probably would have learned a little bit, but he's going to be out four times, five times a year at well, heavyweight. What, what do you make of uh, the conversations following his fight that Eddie Hearn thinks that he might be fighting for the WBO heavyweight championship next? Oh, give me a break. Come on, Eddie. Goodness gracious. There's a possibility, because whatever happens in uh, Saudi Arabia... One of the belts has been given up. They've kept saying it. It could be, because it, there is a mandatory on it, and there therefore... Is. I mean, know, look... And he is the mandatory challenger for the WBO belt. Do you really think that if Anthony Joshua gets the WBO, IBF, and which is it, WBA belts mm -hmm. off Andy Ruiz on December the 7th in Saudi Arabia, Riyadh, do you really think that Alexander Usyk is going to be the next opponent? Not for Anthony Joshua, I don't know. Ah, there we go. So, if Andy Ruiz wins... Yeah. Meh, why not? Maybe. It's a good fight. I think if Andy Ruiz wins, he might even give that belt up. That's where the mandatory situation... Well, the vacant shots at that belt might come from. Yeah. Um, the, for me, I, I think anyway, my theory is that if Andy Ruiz wins, I think... I think all contracts will be scattered to the wind and I think we'll see Deontay Wilder and Andy Ruiz fight for all four belts. I'm, I'm convinced of it. I'm, and, and they've both got the same management, so it makes an awful amount exactly, of sense. But that's it? why Tyson Fury's doing, you know, jumping over the ropes and 
smacking Strowman, Braun Strowman. I'm so into the WWE now. Of Are course. you? Oh yeah. <laughs> no, no, but it, it is weird. But it is it is weird because I spoke to Ben Davison in the week and I, his uh, Tyson Fury's trainer, and asked him how he felt about it. And he said, I'm fine with it. I'm going out to Saudi Arabia. Look what Tyson Fury's just done. Mm. He's sneaking out on a Saudi Arabia card ahead of Anthony Joshua. He's had no flack for it. Mm. Human rights issues. He's had no flack at all. He's earning 12 million US dollars for um, for a tickling contest, yep, basically. For a performance. Yeah. I mean, as you know, I've, I've seen what you've been saying as well, you know. It will be heavily scripted. He's out there training now to do it, having the time of his life for Triple H and The Rock and all these guys. Yep. He's having a great time. It's brilliant. All, the, all this all this kind of feigned disdain from Bob Arum and Frank Warren about him, you know, sh- he shouldn't really be doing that and he should be... The, the, the problems with the cut-eye, they're loving it. They'd have put him in with Big Daddy and... or uh, Giant, Giant Haystacks 40 years ago if he'd been around. Of course they would have. <laughs> so, you know... All of this, for me, points to the fact that we're going to get Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury, because I think he walks... I asked you this before, and you, I agree with you. I think Deontay Wilder defeats Andy Ruiz, and I think Andy Ruiz has got a very good chance against Anthony Joshua if he doesn't lose too much weight. Mm. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's a fascinating. It is. The whole thing's fascinating. And now, that, and now that Alexander Rusik's in that mix, it makes it even more fascinating. Obviously, that was his debut last weekend, uh, heavyweight. Um, and we wanted that to be the only conversation point off the back of that card but sadly it wasn't uh, you will have heard many shows here on TalkSport throughout the course of the week speaking about it this is the first opportunity I think on that we've had together as a collective to speak about uh, the death of Patrick Day um, following his bout uh, last week against Charles Conwell he was uh, viciously knocked out in that fight Is for me it's the way he's fallen and the way his head has hit the canvas which has obviously caused uh, the uh, brain trauma Um as I analyse things like this all the time, whenever there's anything serious that happens in the world of fight sports, whether it be boxing or MMA, I'm, I'm always looking at hydration, I'm always looking at weight-cutting issues, I'm always looking at did the, were there enough emergency services, did the referee act in the right... Because we've been at fights before where the referees allowed things to go on for far too long. For this particular fight, I look at it and I go, everything was in place. It is just one of those horrific, horrific accidents that... Nobody wanted to happen, but has sadly happened. And that's the way, I, you know, I, do, I want to point blame somewhere, but I just can't find anywhere to point the blame. Well, as you know, that, you know, in America this week, the, the Nevada State, um, the California State Athletic Commission met with mm. the Association of Boxing Commissioners, uh, President Mike Mazzulli, Andy Foster, these guys are very influential in America. They've decided on, it doesn't happen so much in boxing, but more in mixed martial arts, where they've decided on this this threshold of uh, boxers, or fighters rather, not being able to put more than uh, a certain amount of their body weight on. And if they do, yeah. after a weigh-in, they will, the fight will be cancelled. I think it's a great idea. All of those kind of measures are great. Um, I spoke to Buddy McGirt earlier, obviously, was the, the trainer of Max Dadashev, who died um, a couple of months ago. Um, we've had four deaths in four months. And Buddy believes that the weigh-ins should be nearer the fight um, so that people will be forced to naturally make their the right weight for themselves. That's very interesting as well. But like you say, that the tr- the trouble, the 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 trauma that the God knows how the family feel and the fighter who fought him, Mr. Conwell, feels. But the 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 trouble is with an incident like this, like you rightly pointed out, 
it just highlights how dangerous this sport is inherently that we do love and that these guys love. Regis Progre in earlier being very eloquent about, about it, saying, look, for all that we know about it, for all that it makes me feel sad inside and I, the tragedy of it and I see the risks, you're not going to stop me doing it because I love doing it because mm-hmm. it's in me. I can't stop myself. And, and that's why Patrick was doing it. Well, we saw... I mean, it's, I know it's poignant now because this is an interview, obviously, that happened in the week as we build up towards the fight. And now in the aftermath of his, his death and his passing... We're seeing that interview a lot more, obviously, on social media with people sending it around. And obviously, posthumously, those words are a lot more Mm. poignant, no question. And just listening to him speak of his love for boxing as to why he does it and as to why he steps through those ropes, it does bring it home and gives me a greater appreciation. I mean, I had a great appreciation anyway, but an even greater appreciation for the men and women that decide to do this because they aren't like me. They're not like the people that I know, they are very, very different. There's, there's something different about them and that's why I'm fascinated by them. Yeah, exactly. It, and it's it's a bit like, sometimes I try and equate it. I mean, I mean I, I've always ridden motorbikes and, and, and it, it's nice to scare yourself. I enjoy scaring myself. You know, as I get older, I don't want to do it quite so much. But you look at the Isle of Man TT race, the the, the 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 Dunlop family members that have died doing it, it's mm. almost, I don't mean it's a badge of honour because it isn't, but several members of that family have died racing in there because they hit walls they they are racing on roads at 80 90 100 miles an hour tearing through the isle of man and people die in that the whole time they know they're going to die some people are going to die in that race mm. but they have to do it because it's in them and i think it's i just think that that when a fighter, these people that we, we love, they're, they're almost like superheroes in some ways. When they, they commit to it, it's part of why we admire them because they, they, they've managed to train themselves psychologically to, to not have that fear for their own body and their own psyche and their own life anymore. And that's why they're able to deliver some of those fights that really just kind of are extraordinary for us. In this case, it was Patrick's time, and and he had a bad night, and and it, and and the, and the sport had a bad night. And you, you can understand why people then say, "Oh, this sport's barbaric, and it shouldn't exist because this happens." The problem is, if it didn't exist, and we didn't have the sport in in this form, it would just go underground, and mm. it'd be there'd be loads of deaths that you never even heard about. You can only hope that, obviously, with every injury, with every death, the sport learns, the sport grows in education, gets safer, and the people who watch will never overlook the risks our heroes uh, take as they enter the ring. Uh, rest in peace, Patrick Day. Uh, you are listening to Talk Sport. Let's go! It's fight night on Talk Sport. The guests keep on coming now. Uh, you will have seen last week... Uh, Dave Allen at the uh, Josh Warrington fight having a conversation with various people sticking their microphones in his face and he mentioned the name Daniel Dubois now when I saw that I shuddered a little bit so I decided to send me mate Nick Pete to go and have a little bit of a chat with him and to find out what it's all about here they are sitting with Dave Allen hanging out at the Hilton Hotel in Liverpool he's uh, looks well looks well rested looking happy what are you doing in Liverpool my mate I'm here to spar uh, David Price, we're now friends, former 
wouldn't say rivals, but you know, former uh, opponent. I'm here to help him uh, prepare for the Dirtsdorf. I, I, I'd love to see him win. I'd love to see him uh, take this Cinderella story to the next level. You know, if he beats Dirtsdorf, you know, he's not far for world title shot, and I'd love to see it. I know you spoke well about David Price before you fought anyway, but had you sparred before? Were you friends before? Or was it really the night that night that galvanised you? Well, years ago, obviously, I used to give him some grief. You know, I think he's him a bit of grief. I wanted a big fight, and he was the he was the big name then. And um, that was it. I'd not really had an interaction with him. But uh, all fight week, Joe, Deck, the full team, uh, just a good bunch of people, you know. And same with David, just a nice, just a nice fella. So... Um, we got on fantastic all week, then he battered me, then we got on even better after, so I always have the utmost respect for him, but uh, when he shared a ring with someone and, you know, he, he gave me a bit of a good idea, to be fair, I've got to respect him a little bit more. When the opportunity to spar come along, did you reach out to him? Did he reach out to you? How did it work? Uh, Joe just gave me a message, said, can you come and help David prepare? You know, I've not trained since the fight, but I like to get stuck in, I like to spar, I wanted to come and... You know, not right some wrongs. I'm not here to obviously knock David out or try and have a go and make a fight of it, but I wanted to get back in the ring with David and, uh, you know, show myself that that night. I felt it was an off night. The chance to spar with him is a chance for me to, to prove that to myself, you know. And um, So, yeah, first and foremost, I'm here to help David prepare. Secondly, I'm here to put a few demons to bed, you know, in regards to that I can hold myself at that kind of level. In regards to the price fight, did you read all the negative comments about him a little bit too much? Did you take the fight lightly in any way? Did you think you'd be a little bit less than he was? First and foremost, I never wanted the fight. Two days after the Brown fight, I was the prize fight was offered to me. I said, how long have we got to decide? They said about an hour. <laughs> so, um, hell of a lot of money though, thank you very much. <laughs> so I had to take it. It wasn't a fight I wanted. Mick Marsden, my uh, manager, we, we didn't really want the fight. It wasn't, it's not really, wasn't really a great matchup for me. Um, but we took it, the money was great um, and as time went on, training camp you know, me and Darren Barker fantastic pairing, best of mates uh, but due to my own fault, me being a bit of a weirdo he didn't go perfectly well and I wasn't the most confident heading into the fight and I got beaten David was fantastic that night and I'd like to put it down to more, he was fantastic than anything to do with me so but I'm here just to, just to show, just to prove to myself it was an off night, and I feel like it was. Yeah. When you called out Dubois at the weekend, I think I personally seen it and made me smile. I thought, brilliant, what a great shout. I didn't think, you know, I genuinely didn't think there was too much behind it, but obviously people have taken it very seriously. Now Frank Warner is reported to have made an offer and everything else. Was it, you know, tongue-in-cheek? Was it Dave, Cheeky Dave Allen just having a bit of fun? Always Cheeky Dave Allen, but, uh, but the thing is, the British heavyweight title... People can say, oh, Dave Allen's a journeyman, Dave Allen's coming off a loss, Dave Allen's this, Dave Allen's that. The Dubois fight, I fought Luis Ortiz on a couple of weeks' notice. Same with Dillian White, Tony Oka the same. Um, boxed David Price, I boxed Lucas Brown. I can't fear the 21-year-old kid, no matter how good they think he may be. His best win is who? Nathan Gorman, who's, is, is, we don't know much about him either, so am I supposed to sit here and be shaking my boots over this kid knocking over everyone? I don't care. I bought the world's best heavyweights and none of them put me on my backside. So I have zero fear for one. I just I just don't have fear. There's not fear doesn't come into my uh, repertoire of feelings and thought processes. So um, I fight down the wall, but the money has to be right. I know the money that is floating about in the heavyweight division. I know what Chaz Witherspoon got paid. I know what Nathan Gorman got paid. I know what certain people are getting offered to box the wall and other people. So um, 
the money is right because boxing is not about who's the best fighter when it comes to getting paid it comes down to bums on seats and I've been pretty good at that and I've got a big fan base and people can say well you got beat by David Price yes but I also uh, put 8,000 in the O2 against Lucas Brown I also was chief support for the uh, the O2 when 20,000 was in there for the White Reavers fight so um, you know and I think a lot of people are naive to to, to what uh, to how boxing works and it, it purely is a bum on seat business so um Give me the money, Frank, and we can get the fight on. Absolutely, you know, and it ain't just a money thing. If I take the fight, you better believe I'm going to be trying to win. Listen, that's part of the reason why the fans love you is because you will, t- you know, pick your gloves up and fight anybody. A lot of the names you mentioned, though, were losses, and I think what you've done, Dave, you've managed to capture the imagination of the entire British public. There's not a boxing fan out there that isn't a Dave Allen fan. We love you. The country loves you. We want to see you win the British title and we want to see you win the British title and maybe make a couple of defences. Now, Dubois at the moment looks like the hottest prospect in heavyweight boxing, I think, you know, because of the opponents he's knocked over so far. And I agree, he needs to be stepped up. But I also think that Daniel Dubois next year will have to move on from that level. And when he moves on from that level, me personally, that's when I want to see Dave Allen step in and become British champion. But what you also have to understand is I'm a dreamer. I uh, I lay in bed at night and think, imagine the O2 roof flying off if I knock Daniel Dubois out. You know, Nathan Gorman's a fantastic fighter. I think he's extremely talented. You've also got your likes of Sam Sexton, former champion, Huey Fury. All great fighters, all, all good men and great wins. And if I beat him, I still have the British title. still be the biggest achievement of my life and make everyone so proud. But beating Daniel Dubois would be, would be um, something special. And I'm not here to be ordinary, uh, because that's one word you could never use to describe me, apart from maybe my boxing ability, which is an issue, I guess, as a boxer. <laughs> but uh, but I'm here to do something special. And people can say, well, you end up, you end up, oh, we end up punch drunk and this and that and whatever else. And go and see, I, I go to watch shows every week. I see the same man fighting every seven days, getting his head punched in. Go and let's just stop boxing altogether if that's a worry. I'm a fighting man. I fight. if, if I weren't boxing, in six months' time, I'd get itchy fingers and itchy knuckles, and I'd be scrapping, I'd be scrapping in car parts for, for, for 20 grand to win it. So, so just let me live, let me fight. I live for it. I love it. And um, that's me again in three months. I hate boxing. I hate it. But that's why I am. I can't help it. That's just how my brain's wired up. I'm a weirdo. But uh, Daniel Dubois, give me the right amount of money because it ain't about the money. Because my money don't get spent on me. My money gets spent on the in, in on random kids in Doncaster I take on and, and give free gym gear to, and I pay for the gym subs. And people must think I'm some rich man. I don't even drive. I've got I've got a few houses, whatever. My sister lives in one. I, you know what I mean? Like I'm not I'm not a wealthy man. I'm here in my shorts, the three pound ninety nine night specials. I'm like it's not a money thing, but at the same time I don't want to be took for a mug. And I've in the past, you know, and I don't want that to happen again. So. Um, I'm just, I'm not going to live forever. So let's just take our chances. Dubois wants to go. He knocks me out and around. There we go. Well, I'll give it a go. When, when they put me in the ground, yeah, on my stone, it'll say, Dave Allen knew. Because I, I know. I know. I already know, but I want to know even more. So, um, yeah, I'm very happy and I'm very proud of what I achieved. And I want to continue achieving. And by achieving, for me, it's just by being the best I can be. And, and, um, and in that sense, I've overachieved, you know.
Well, you're the mainstay of, of pay-per-view cards. You've become a, a you know, a, a, gl- a national sensation, if you like. So you should be absolutely proud of what you've achieved. But I just think the, the criticism that you're getting isn't negative against you from what I'm seeing. It's people wanting to protect you. It's people wanting to put an arm around you. Because after the price fight, you were low and you said, I'm off social media, I'm going to have a break from boxing. I don't want to be the white rhino anymore. I just want to go and be Dave for a little bit. And now here you are, straight back in again, sparring. You've got that, you know, the glint in your eye and you're calling out the most dangerous young heavyweight in the world. And I think from a fight fan perspective, we want to just put our arm around you and go, we're Team Dave Allen. We're on this train with you. But let's, let's walk again before we start running. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, I, I, I put everything into numbers. I'd say like 80% positive, 20% negative. Out of the 20% negative, 90% of that is positive negativity. I don't know if that makes any sense. And I appreciate it. And it makes me feel very warm inside all oh, day. We were trying to protect you. Fantastic. Thank you very much. However, I'm my own man. Believe it or not, I'm actually have a little bit of intelligence about me. You know, I might not be the most educated, but I have a little bit of intelligence. I know where uh, I know the score. I know what can happen. I know what cannot happen. I can get knocked out by the bar. I could beat him and 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 set up my life. Half of Doncaster's life. Half of the kids I don't even know. They can all, I can open a gym and be free to use. I've got so many dreams and ambitions, and uh, my dreams and ambitions. You know, I need to beat the other bar if I want to make them all come true. And, and when I was a kid, I used to I used to say to me, "Oh, I'm going to be special one day." And he said, "Yeah, yeah, I know you are." And, I, and, I, and I've, I've done well, but I've not, I've not, um, I've not done what I want to do, and that's, I want to show everyone how much ability I've got. Cause it is, it is there, and I, and I understand why people think I'm no good, but it is there. You know, every coach in Britain say Dave Allen's a fantastic talent. Like, why is he not doing what he does in the gym? Why, well, what's the show against Daniel Dubois? I don't care who I box. I'm not bothered if I box in December against Daniel Dubois. If I box in next March against Phil Williams, three sixteen on one. I know all the other weights in Britain, I'll box any of them. Like, it's not, it's not, it's not a big deal, like, it's not. I just, um, today I want to fight, tomorrow I might wake up and I, and I might want to go home and be on my own for a bit, but that's just me and I, hopefully people, you know, people who know me know that and they understand and they appreciate what I am, you know, and I understand it's very frustrating for people because I'm very hard work and think, oh my God, what's he doing, Dave Allen? He's absolutely mental, what's up with him? But that's just a... Honest to God, I wish people could live a day in my head because they would have the amazingest time ever. It's crazy in there. So, um, but whatever happens, it's been fun. And, uh, and hopefully it continues to be fun for a little while longer. On DAB Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM, Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davis on Talk Sport. Uh, yeah, this is the fight night on Talk Sport. Uh, I'm Adam Catterall, Gareth A. Davis alongside me. And uh, my right-hand man caught up with Carlos Sowland a little earlier on. He is the head on show when it comes to the World Boxing Super Series. It's a fantastic tournament. If you don't know too much about it, I'll tell you all about it in a moment or so. But next weekend is the final of the Super Lightweights of Season 2. We've had one of the guests on the show, Regis Pagres. He's taking on Josh Taylor. Me and Gareth are going to be catching up with both those guys again throughout the course of the week. So you can hear them on next week's programme. However, let's get a little bit of flavour, shall we? Because Gareth caught up with Cal a little earlier on whilst he was in Dubai? He was indeed. As a Londoner, everyone knows uh, what a great place London is for stage uh, boxing, big-time boxing. Uh, but the O2 is very special. I remember our first event that I promoted in the UK, uh, in, in, in the O2, sorry, was uh, was Ketzler Proch 2. 
And that uh, was a great night and a massive atmosphere. And it was the first time I witnessed boxing in the O2. And, you know, very, very excited for, for Saturday night, of course. And, you know, you hit the nail on the head. It's definitely the best fight uh, in the UK this year. But I think if you look at the styles and styles make fights and these are the best guys in the division, I think we could be looking at fight of the year uh, on the whole planet. So uh, very, very excited. Extremely excited. And you mustn't forget, this is the final. This is These guys haven't sort of been picked to fight each other. They have fought their way through, beaten world champions on the way and uh, both undefeated. It doesn't get better than that. And you indeed have fought to keep Regis Progre in, in the in the, the tournament as well and in the viable viability for the, the Muhammad Ali trophy uh, next Saturday night. Um, like you say, the most intriguing thing for all of us who've seen so many fights is this is genuinely a 50-50 fight. They both have their own styles. We know that Regis has that extra little bit of venom and power in him, but we also know that Josh Taylor has got an amazing chin, great boxing skills. It's really, really hard to pick a winner, and the chattering classes in the fight industry are going to be out in force next week because at, at this juncture it's actually impossible to say no that guy's going to do it that guy's going to do it it's going to come down to who wants it the most and game plans on the night and adjustments and that is the kind of fight color that we 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 salivate over isn't it yeah in any sport Gareth, but especially in boxing when it is a it, is, it should always be a two-horse race and um you know, especially when it's uh, man versus man or, or female versus female, of course, as well. But, um, you know, you just said, you, you know, so, so before I'm going to have to disagree with you because I think they, I think Josh is just as good a puncher. I think that's what the, the only thing they both have in common in their styles is that they're both punchers. They're both forward-thinking fighters. They're not uh, masters of defense. They're not Mayweathers. These guys love a tear-up. They love a fight. The one is uh, the slick American and the other one is the sort of old school stand up Brit. So we're gonna see it's gonna be cracking. I mean it's uh salivating is the one word, but um, there's a few other words you could use for it, but I'll, I'll, I think there's a few families probably listening, so I'll, I'll, keep, I'll, I'll keep the language down, but it is very, very exciting. Very, very exciting. It's going to be bloody and it's going to be brutal and it's going to be brilliant, hopefully. Look, I've uh, heard you say, I know Spurs drew 1-1 with Watford today, and you, you won't have been too happy yeah. about that, I'm sure, but um, that you would yeah. like to uh, potentially next year bring a big event to... Oh, we know you're a dyed-in-the-wool Spurs fan um, and supporter. You'd like to bring a big event, maybe another uh, World Boxing Super Series final to the new home of Spurs next year. Yeah. I mean, you know, it is... It is sorry to say, uh, any any Arsenal fans, this thing is by far the best stadium, I think, in Europe. Um, there's some great stadiums, of course, in America as well, but... Uh, it is. It is such a great stadium, such a great venue, and I think to put him put on a boxing fight that would be great. It's a, it's a personal ambition, though, Gareth. First of all, we're just sorting out season three at the moment in terms of weights. Um, I can tell you there'll be a heavy, heavy UK focus on it again. Uh, this season was a little bit more international. The first thing, of course, with Groves, Eubank, Callum Smith. Uh, was a big UK entrance. The second season has been a lot more also about going to Asia, of course, with Anui and Donair, uh, but also we, we've done four shows in the States. So, you know, it's been a little bit more international where season one was very, 
very UK orientated with the super middleweights. Uh, so yeah, I can tell you now, the, definitely the, the UK is very much on the radar uh, in terms of talent, and that means, of course, events and uh, for season three. And yes, would love to put it on at the new lane. Would love to put someone on at the new lane for sure. Is that is it two weight divisions again next year for the new series? Um, Do you know yet? You no, know, we're looking at it at the moment. Where, no, the, 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 I mean, we've been we've, we've been given the budget, so we're looking, of course, what what weights are most feasible, what weights you know boxing uh, better than anyone does, Gareth. It's it's about going for the weights where we can get those champions in. Mm. Um, we can get six of the top and, eight kind of thing guaranteed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, you know, it's, 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 you know, I think if you look at you know the. The cruiserweights in season one, we had all four belts. By the mm. final, by the time of the final of the cruiserweights this season, we'll have all four belts. Um, you know, for us, it's it's very much always about the best versus the best. Like next weekend with Taylor Progress, um, we'll have the. You know, it, it's it's about finding that guy, that fighter, or or the, it might be a female weight class, so that lady fighter mm. um, who who is you know when you see it. You know who wins the Ali Trophy is the one to beat at that weight class. Season one, Alexander Uzik, no questions asked. Callum Smith, no questions asked. Well, the winner next weekend, Progress or Taylor, no questions asked. The best super lightweight on the planet. And 10 days later, we're in Japan with uh, Nanita Donaire and Inui. Amazing. And we'll know who the best bantamweight on the planet is. And that, that's all this is. It's not rocket science. Mm. We're just there with the Champions League of Boxing. Um, you know, we work with all the promoters. The only thing that we try and do is find out who the best is at that weight. And guess what? Along the way, we see some damn good fights. Absolutely right. And and just finally, Kala, um, obviously there's, it's a great card with uh, the likes of... I, everyone's looking forward to Derek Chisora and David Price as well. Um, yeah. that, so am I. So am I. <laughs> um, why... why particularly working with Eddie Hearn on this card? Is it just a, a promotional agreement that works and that you wanted it on Sky? Or is it just is it just the balance of business works this way? But, listen, at the end of the day, this is, this is business, of course. Um, working with, uh, with Eddie, who I've worked with many times on very many big events uh, over, the, over the years... Um, you know, dating back, actually, the first one was Kessler Frotch. And, yes. You know, it, it was it was a very simple deal to put together. At the end of the day, it was, uh, although I, I wanted it to be in London, of course, as a Londoner, but ultimately, it's a business decision. And we had to look what the best available was. And, and the Sky pay-per-view platform, plus, of course, we're live on the zone in the United yep. States and I don't know how many hundreds of countries around the planet. But, um, it you know, it is... It's it's a business decision, but it's also very easy to work. We've worked work very well with Eddie together, and, and uh, you know, for us being in the O2 in London next week, that's exactly what this final. It's the fitting stage. It's the perfect stage uh, to, to host it. I mean, Progress has come over from New Orleans three weeks before the fight just to show. You know, anyone who knows anything about boxing, a fighter will normally turn up from the states seven to twelve days before. He's turned up three weeks before, training out the Peacock, um, great gym. Actually, I trained there as a kid. Um, amazing boxing place. So he hasn't gone and hold himself up in some five-star hotel 
in some uh, in some posh gym with a set up boxing ring. No, he's gone right into the the spit and sawdust of the East End. Uh, Josh Taylor's gone out to Kent. Um, saw him down there. Saw the, uh, there was a media session down there with yeah. training. With the McGuigans. Incredible condition, both guys. Mm. They both are not going to leave anything in the ring. They and, they and the thing is, when he talks to both of them, they're so certain of winning. So certain of winning. And it, there's, there's no BS in that. You know, it's, I uh, agree. That's it's what's fascinating, Keller. Yeah, it's straight up. But, but that's it's, what's it's fascinating. Gonna, it's really going to go down to the wire. Absolutely, there's not a chink of light in the in the in the unshakable self belief of both men. And as Regis, who was in the studio earlier, was telling us, um, it, it's he's been in an Airbnb in Plasto, and that that that's all you need to know until fight week in an Airbnb yeah. in Plasto, and 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 that means that he's been in the back of beyond, frankly, for an American from New Orleans, because everything will have been alien, and that will mean that he'll have been closed off from everything, and and it's great to hear. And I spoke to him a few weeks ago, and he was, I said, where are you? And he went, oh yeah, I've been here ages. I'm in, I don't know, I'm just somewhere in East London. I don't know where I am, but everyone's been cool with me. Yeah. I'm so glad I came early. My waters feel good. Everything Everything feels good. And like you say, the longer the preparation, the better that person feels. Because the waters are different in different places. Listen, we cannot wait to see you next week. Travel safely back from wherever you are. I think you're in Dubai at the moment, aren't you? Correct. Yes, I'm in Dubai, travelling back to the UK tomorrow. So, looking forward to fight week. Yeah. Looking forward to see you all. And uh, let's, uh, let's have a great one. Uh, Callis Allen there catching up with Gareth a little earlier on obviously he'll be back for fight week for the World Boxing Super Series final between Progress and Taylor uh, one of the uh, main pieces of that conversation was the uh, prospect of maybe taking a big fight to his beloved Tottenham he's a big Spurs fan Regis has been up to the stadium today he was very impressed it is an impressive stadium that and if you stick a boxing ring in the uh, in the centre circle if you get the right dance partners I think you could fill that. Definitely, it would be a brilliant place to to host a, a, a big fight. And of course, you know, with, with Calla being the the promoter um, or the facilitator, the fixer, if you like, all those things for the World Boxing Super Series. My word, how we've benefited in the UK from that series. We've ended up having Alexander Usyk, mm. the winner of the cruiserweight tournament, fighting here against Tony Bellew. We've had the emergence of Callum Smith in the super middleweight division and great nights with George Groves and Chris Eubank. It is terrific. Not and to mention, obviously, uh, Inoue coming to Glasgow. Inoue coming to Glasgow. We've got the final next week of the, of the light welterweights. It, it's, it's extraordinary. And, you know, he's even saying he's looking at making the next series um, British stacked. It's great. It's just a sign of how well supported this sport is, mm. how set up we are in this country. Um, Gareth also cut up with another promoter in the shape of Eddie Hearn earlier on this week. You can hear that chat next on TalkSport. It's fight night on TalkSport. I'm Adam Castrell, Gareth A. Davis alongside me. Uh, Gareth caught up with Eddie Hearn this week and their conversation started talking about preparations for Saudi Arabia. You kind of have to remember that although they're fairly new to boxing, you know, they've had the World Boxing Super Series final, they've had the Amir Khan fight. Away from boxing, they've got the WWE event coming up with Tyson Fury in Saudi in a couple of weeks' time. October the 31st, yeah. Um, now you go and the foundations are in, the stands are almost up, and you start to get a picture of how amazing this is going to be. I mean, we saw the digital uh, sort of artwork, if you like, and it looked amazing. But when you actually see 
this going up in the desert, in the sand dunes, you start to realise. Is that it going to be a bit like Raiders of the Lost Ark? Yeah, is it yeah, going to well, have that yeah, feel yeah, like the Tuareg campfires? You know, I, I know, I know that not everyone's over the moon. We're going to Saudi Arabia. I have to say, Gareth, when we're there. It's going to feel like a major moment for the sport because the O2 is the O2 and Wembley is Wembley. And listen, we love them and the nights we've had, we never. This is something groundbreaking for the sport of boxing. This is the start of a change for the sport of boxing in terms of where mega fights are held. And it will be, it will be something else. And these people will throw everything at this event because the whole world's watching. You know, the people that might be criticising, the people that are loving it. Everyone watching, and this is their message to say we are here for big time boxing, and this is just the start. Is it frustrating though when 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 politics and human rights and those kind of things do get drawn into it? You know it's coming. Uh, AJ's PR team knew it was coming. That because all you are trying to do really is become involved in a new market that just brings more to the sport. Yes, but it's not even that. This is prize fighting, and I'm really sorry for some people that might not like the idea of us holding a fight in Saudi Arabia. My job is to provide the best opportunities for my fighters. We saw a young man last weekend lose his life in this sport. It is a brutal, quite frankly sometimes, horrible sport. And if people think that they have a right to tell a fighter where or where he can or should box, and you live on another planet because these fighters deserve everything they get. We've got to respect them. We've got to give them the opportunities. And even if I didn't want to go to Saudi Arabia, tough. My job is, look, what do you think since I've announced this fight in Saudi Arabia? Every promoter, every fighter has been in the Middle East trying to land a big fight. It's just that I got it first. So I'm going to take the criticism. Have you seen any criticism for the WWE and Tyson Fury for going Saturday? Absolutely none. So let's just kick Eddie Earn in the nuts because he's providing for his fighters. I'm sorry, I will take the heat. Give me all the heat you want. Because at the end of the day, my job is to provide the best opportunities for my fighters. And by the way, we needed a neutral menu. And we needed one with the most amount of money possible. I can't get more, more honest than that. That's how it is. So don't deny these fighters the opportunities in this brutal sport. Is this nonsense about Anthony Joshua training with chubby, chubby heavyweights? Oh, I just... That was a throwaway line. Yeah, that it was I go, a joke. Yeah, no, it? no, yeah, but, I just, yeah. no but, but yeah, it's true. I mean, but I just said, you know, we need someone that can replicate the style of Andy Ruiz. So I said, you know, we need, uh, you know, a fast, chubby heavyweight. I'm not saying we're... That's ne- necessarily... You have to be chubby to get on the sparring team. But we have got smaller, fast, sometimes chubbier, heavyweights that try and replicate the style of Andy Ruiz. And Tom Lizzie's slimmed down, though, now. Well, apparently. I don't know if that's photoshopped or not. We'll see. But I think that the the main thing is is that, um, you know, the, the first fight, we weren't able to replicate the style quite how we wanted to. We had, we had a couple of guys that were okay, but... You didn't have very long. No, we had three weeks of sparring, and, and Ruiz came out of the Dimitrenko fight which was actually great sparring for Joshua and was ready to go. And by the way, Ruiz has been boxing since the age of eight seven. or seven. So he probably knows every single style. And when you're a six foot heavyweight, you're used to fighting six foot five, six foot six guys. When you're a six foot six heavyweight, you're not used to fighting six foot smaller, faster guys. So now we are because he's doing it every day in camp. And that. I believe will be one of the big differences in this fight. Still a massive risk, massive reward fight. Huge, huge. But isn't that what makes it so exciting? Isn't that what makes it one of the biggest heavyweight fights of all time? You know, people make me laugh because they say, oh, you know, 
this is this is a, a, a big risk fight, isn't it? Dangerous fight. Of course it is. What do you want as a fan? Do you want a, a knockover job? You can't win, can you? You know, it's like Andy Ruiz, a week before the first fight, the whole boxing community, boxing fans, well, this is a joke, this Andy Ruiz. He's no good. You know, AJ beats him every day of the week and twice on a Sundays. Now, all of a sudden, oh, it's a dangerous fight, this rematch. Because he can fight. We always knew he could fight. I just saw a no-context turn face, uh, though. A lot of people are saying that. Some bloke said to me on the train this morning, you're that geezer off Instagram. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> so, but... I believe that eight or nine times out of ten, AJ should and will beat Andy Ruiz. But the, the difficulty in this fight comes from the mental pressure and the, probably the mental scars of the first fight. He's got to overcome that mentally. And he's strong enough to do that. When he follows a game plan, he's very, very good. I just don't think the game plan was quite ready and right for the last one because of the late change. Um... It's been out there on social media and it's quite public, but have you got a developing relationship with the notorious one, Conor McGregor? Not at all. I mean, I was very uh, flattered that he, uh, you know, he um, retweeted my tweet and said, Dance got you a few me. numbers, so I bet. Yeah, exactly. Dance for me, Eddie. I just couldn't really make Dance it. for me, Eddie. Dance for me, Eddie. I didn't know if that was good or bad, but the answer is I will dance for you. I will also clean your shoes and your car if you let me promote you. But Against Paulie Malignaggi or whoever. It's not. I, I, I know he's got a contract with UFC, I believe, so it's not it's pie in the sky stuff, but press picked it up and it was a good talking point online. I'd love to work with Conor McGregor. I think he's one of the greatest self-promoters of all time. Great personality, great character, great fighter. Um, one of your rivals, Frank Warren, uh, saying how badly you promoted Josh Warrington and look what... He's done for him. He's done a far better job. And he's calling calling you a hypocrite in promoting KSI and Logan Paul. How do you, how do you uh, respond see, to that? I don't see why I'm a hypocrite. I'm just, I've done everything I've, I've said on the tin for that one. It's a huge opportunity to reach out to a new audience. Um, on Josh Warrington, I mean, don't forget I built or helped build Josh Warrington. We started off with 3,000 in the Leeds arena. We ended up at 9,000, so he just come along and jumped on the bandwagon. Um, he, do, he doesn't resonate with the British public at all, or the fan base of British boxing. Not because he's not you know, down with it, just because he's very old and his time has gone in promoting boxing. I mean, I'm, I'm 40, my time's nearly gone. So, um, no, look, Frank's doing... Next 20 years are the ones that, that are the best ones ahead of you, believe me. Let's see, let's see. Frank's doing what he's doing. I mean, his stable's diminished, but we wish him all the best. And, um, no, he's, he's a trier. Final thing, Eddie, it's, you know, changing tack. And, it, and, and I do have to ask you about this. It was your card last week. Um, the, the poor young man, the, 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 the American uh, Patrick Day, lost his life this week. Um, he went into a coma after the fight, obviously. Um, um, his opponent, Conwell, put out some beautiful things. Everyone in the industry, yourself included, put out some great things on social media. The whole industry closed around this guy losing his life at the age of 27. Is there anything, we've had four deaths in four months. You know, if you Dadashev and um, um, the Argentine guy and another, uh, I think it was another Russian or Bulgarian, wasn't it? it, was, it four guys, four months. Is there anything more we can do um, to ensure greater levels of safety in the sports yeah always is the, is the correct answer I mean you know we're, we're in a terrible run where the sport is getting safer 
yet we've seen these recent injuries. Patrick Day was a young man where when you see the responses of the fight community and the people that know him show you that this was a very special young man. Um, I met him on Thursday for the first time and I only spoke to him for 30 seconds and he came up to me and I can't tell you how alive he was, how much energy he has. His trainer said to me, make sure you watch my kid, he's ready. And, and the, the, the excitement on his face. Patrick Day didn't need to box. He came from a, a very good family, he was very well educated, but he loved the sport of boxing. He had such a great passion for the sport of boxing. He was doing what he loved. But nothing can solve the pain of what happened. You know, even you say, well, he was doing what he loved. And you know, the old saying, boxing saves many, many more lives than it takes. It's so true, but it still doesn't make it any it easier to accept. Much, it yeah. does, and it hurts. You know, again, last night, you know, I was in pieces. I met the guy for 30 seconds. Imagine what his family and his friends and his trainer, you know, Lou DiBella promotes both guys in that fight, Conwell, and Patrick Day. Imagine how lose fit. You know, it's, but everybody, all the rivalries of boxing disappear. You know, all the bad blood of boxing. And we all come together because we all feel the pain when this happens. And what we've got to do is we mustn't take anything for granted. We must never take fighters for granted. We must continue to evolve as a, evolve as a sport, continue to try and make things safer for fighters. And, and, I, and we are. But it clearly affects you, doesn't it? Badly, because, you know, again, it, it's not just that a fighter's lost. It was a conversation that I had with him that made me smile. You know, and, and when you read what people say about this kid, you realise he was a special kid. You know, he, he, he touched people's souls. He motivated people. He gave positivity to kids and to the boxing community. So I feel like it's really important. You know, he's not like Dadashev, who leaves behind a wife and children. So what do we do for Patrick Day? Well, we try to make the sport safer, and we try to make his name live on. We try to continue, continue to spread the messages and the positivity to people that he tried to spread. And everything that was important to him, we have to honour. So, you know, and, and the, there's no excuse, there's no reason. This is a brutal sport. And... You know, sometimes you can't explain the sport, you know? And, uh, but again, you, you don't realise the fight, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a mad, mad sport, but Patrick Day was living a dream. He was living a dream. And, it, and it, it's just brutal what happened. Eddie Hearn speaking a little earlier on this week uh, to Gareth. We've got around about half an hour of the show remaining. Do stick with us for it because we've got a bit of MMA chat coming up. But last night, two light heavyweights went toe-to-toe and gave us... A bit of a good one. We'll talk about it next. Have they gone premature with our music? Because by my calculations, we've got two sections left. Have we gone early? We have, haven't we? Yeah. Oh. Boom, boom. But we're celebrating the end of boxing editor Matt Smith's career at Talks. Career. That's it. It's the end of his whole career. Yeah. Our, uh, He's retiring to oh. the enemy. That's it. Our, the, our, other, the other side. Well, we will he, miss him, though, won't well, we? Well, he's, he's decided to go and get married. That's what he's tried to go and do, mate. He's leaving us for uh, a woman. It happens to him all. It happens to them all. They fall in love and decide to dump me. That's. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> anyway, um, there is a fight currently going on in Newcastle, which we're going to keep you abreast of because it's in the 12th round. It looks an absolute cracker. We've been watching uh, bits and bats of this, and I will most certainly be going straight back to watch the full uh, ding-dong again between Ritson and uh, Davis Jr., um, we will uh, give you the result of that when it finishes in uh, a couple of minutes' time. However, I just want to look back 24 hours um, towards the light heavyweights that were having a go at each other last night. We have spoke openly about the light heavyweight division, not only domestically, but on a world scale on this show. Uh, and I think we have uh, we've said on a number of occasions that this could be the the most difficult division to go and win yourself a world title. Don't get me wrong, welterweight's tidy. But this <laughs> could be the most difficult. And watching last night going into the fight, I mean, we could all made arguments for Alexander Gavodic going into it. We could have all made arguments for Artur Baturbiev. I slightly went with Baturbiev just because of power. And I, I have seen him, obviously, with Callum Johnson. I have seen him rocked by Callum Johnson. But the way he recovered and then took care of Callum Johnson just gave me that little edge towards him. And that's the way it kind of played out in the end. Because for six rounds, this was back and forth. It was absolutely beautiful to watch at times. But I just thought his disregard of Govodic's power, the way he walked him down, and the way that he was landing body shots for Terbiev, was the telling factor as we got to the 10th round stoppage. He's got a really simple, efficient style as Very. well. Beautiful jab, like you say, knows the, knows when to go for the body and knows when to go for the kill. I mean, I noted, I mean, he was brilliant in rounds 9 and 10, obviously stopped Kvozdik in, in, the, in round, the Ukrainian in round 10. But I think... You know, I think he's the only fighter, professional fighter at this level, who's every... I think he's 15 fights, 15 wins, 15 stoppages. 100% knockout. You know, yeah, 100% knockout rate. And um, I think over the course of the fight, though, he was landing the harder punches. Um, a war Gvozdik down. Do you think um, he brought... I, I looked at it. I think he broke his heart because Gvodic was landing. There's no question he was landing, but it just was not having any effect. In the last two rounds, 49 power shots to Gvozdic's eight power shots. Yeah. He just it, it, his body looks spent, didn't it? Yeah. Um, and 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 40 percent of his power shots landed in the entire fight. He is an utter threat. He threw 200. Gvozdic tried to keep him off by throwing 260 jabs. Just doesn't work with this guy. For me, he is clearly. And I know we're going to see Saul Canelo Alvarez against uh, Sergei Kovalev, who's been a brilliant light. Um, light heavyweight. For me, he's clearly the number one at the moment, and I cannot wait for the moment that Joshua Boatsy is ready to stop up to step up to the top level. Because Baturbiev against someone like Joshua Boatsy in maybe about eighteen months' time is going to be mouth watering, and it will probably be in the UK. Do you it, like that? I do like it. I just at this moment in time, I'm glad you said eighteen months because. What I saw last night from Baturbiev was quite frightening because I really rate Gavodic and he just couldn't hurt him. And that frightens me. If, if Gavodic can't hurt him, can anybody at light heavy, yeah, of course heavyweight they can. hurt him? No, of course they can or they can outbox him. Look, what, what, he, what he is at the moment, he's got, he's got an extraordinary mystique. I think one of the reasons why, uh, I call him Gavodic, I, I don't know if I'm saying his name wrong, I probably am, but he's a brilliant Ukrainian fighter. What we were so impressed with was the Adonis Stevenson performance. Obviously Adonis oh, wasn't yeah. well after that and yeah. he's come out of his coma now. But the the... the that was what was so impressive against this killer, basically. And I think that 
elevated him in our estimation. Um, but, you know, this guy, Baturbiev, it's like he reminds me of Khabib Nurmagomedov in mixed martial arts. It's like he's been kind of wrestling bears and built out of granite. And he's, he's just... You can imagine just hitting him forever and he just doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, it's, it's very extraordinary. It's, it's very Terminator-esque, isn't and it? No emotion. No. Beautiful man. And I do... I'm so pleased he's now promoted by Bob Arum. Yeah. Because they will take him right up Well, there. I was lucky enough at the last uh, Fury fight when he was fighting Otto Wallen, he they, they announced this fight that weekend mm. and both men were in attendance. And they were having as you've been on many of these, they have like a moment where they take them backstage and they do all the press shots and all that type of stuff. And Mikey from Top Rank's doing all the press shots. So I was lucky enough to sit in on this. And I spent a bit of time just sat next to Baturviev. One thing, he's absolutely ginormous. Ginormous. Like, do you know, like, when you just stand next to somebody who's just thick yeah, everywhere. Bucket, bu- buckets for hands, just all that kind of... Just yeah, everything yeah, oversized. Yeah, and it's yeah. like frightening how oversized he is. Mm. But such a gentle soul in the way that he speaks. And you think to yourself, well, mate, I'm not messing with you. Because once the switch goes... He was fantastic last night, and I, I genuinely think he... I would love... You've just mentioned, obviously, Buatsa there, and he is the one that we look at here in the UK as the one that's going to come through in the light heavyweight division. And I don't want to rule out Callum Johnson because I really rate Callum Johnson as well. I hope that it isn't a smash and grab for Canelo. That I hope it, that's not his attitude. I hope he comes, he does... Because I think he'll beat Kovalev. I hope he sticks around. No, because, he can't go up against. They're too big. Mate, Some of these guys are too big, just, too young. But, but I look at it and I go, that's brilliant. Yeah, but Kovalev is... <laughs> Do you oppo- not? Uh, no, Kovalev is opportunism for him. Because I agree. They've I, seen I, something oh, yeah, he's there. smashing grab. He's in and out and yeah, he goes back down. No, no, he's got to go back down. He cannot... Well, he, he doesn't have to. He he, he would if he... Uh, it, 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 I suppose if the money's right and the, and the event is right and all those things and it brings Golden Boy against uh, and against top rank, fine. But I, I, I think it's... Not career suicide, but it's. A, I think it'd be a major matchmaking mistake. Like you just say, when you sit next to this guy, Canelo's big for a middleweight, but this guy is big for a light heavy. He could sit in there with cruiserweights. He's yeah. got that kind of power. Yeah, you're probably you know? right. It was fantastic to watch last night. Um, it's all done uh, in Newcastle. Matt's put a score on my screen here. Um, it says 117-112. Is that the only card? Was that right across the board, Matthew? Right across the board, 117-112. Lewis Ritson has uh, beaten Robbie Davis Jr. Uh, by unanimous decision. To be fair, every time I looked up, and this was probably similar with the way that I was looking at the other fight, every time I looked up, Ritson looked like he was getting the better of it. Don't get me wrong, Davis Jr. was well in a lot of those rounds, but Ritson impressed me with how long he went in the fight because I thought he might gasp by the back end of it. He most certainly didn't. 117-12, 116-12 twice it was. There you go. Um, so what was most impressive about Lewis Ritson there, and what will be great for him, it was shown in America on zone as well, was that that was a terrific, what we call a ding-dong, wasn't it? An all-British ding-dong. But r- what I like about it is we thought that... that that Robbie Davis Jr. would have the wherewithal to outbox Lewis yes. in this. He showed a growing maturity there in that fight because mm. he absorbed as well um, at times, and he and he and he and he and he adjusted to Davis's brilliant changes of style during the fight as well. Mm. Um, I would love to watch that back again because, I, as I said, we, we will watch it back. We again. will. <laughs> I mean, we've watched that without the sound on, um, and while it, doing a radio show, of course. <laughs> and those, those scores of one seventeen, one twelve, one sixteen, one twelve insinuate that that's quite a wide, you know, berth that he's won that by four comfortable rounds. 
that's not what I saw. And I'm, as, a, as we've just said, we're doing a radio show. I'm just looking up every couple of moments to see the monitor. It'd be interesting to watch that back again with the sound on to see if it affects my judgment, the home crowd. Because I'm looking at both these guys here. Robbie Davis Jr. does look a little bit dejected. I think he's, I think he's conceded that he has lost the fight, but has he lost the fight by that amount? I'll, uh, I'll have a little bit of a nosy back and, and feedback throughout the course of the week if you're interested uh, on, uh, on my thoughts on that. Do stick with us because we're going to turn uh, our attention towards mixed martial arts in a moment or so uh, to finish off the program because we've got quite a big week coming up. everything I got, you know, so he's a different caliber than the guys that you mentioned and I've seen him pull through some tough situations and win those decisions, so I got, uh, I got whatever it takes. Massive elbow there from Till. Oh. Very good in training. I feel powerful, strong, and you know, let's just let's just see where, where this takes me. Fans getting behind Michael Bisping here. About two and a half minutes in. Oh, nice one, two for Gastelum. Bisping is out. Wow! Gastelum finishes Michael Bisping. Uh, don't miss all the action of USC 244, November the 2nd, BT Sport. It's the highly anticipated clash between Masvidal and Diaz. Uh, it's taking place at the Madison Square Garden in New York City. Our very own Darren Till will be the co-main event for the night. He takes on Kelvin Gastelum uh, as the proud scouser looks to get his career back on track after two straight defeats. He's stepping up in weight this time, of course. Another proud scouser, our very own Nick Pete, caught up with Darren in camp ahead of his huge fight. And this is how the conversation went down. You've lost before in, in, in different forms of martial not arts, but obviously not at that level, you know, not, not for the UFC belt. But then to suffer a second defeat behind it, that must have took you to a completely different place. Listen, Nick, I, I've got like sort of a social media where a lot of people on there love to have banter and there's a lot of comments and that, but there's a lot of also nasty, vicious people out there as well. And, you know, after the fight against Masvidal, I come off for a while, I just had to take myself away because I'll be honest, it was getting to me just getting that many messages in boxes and on comments like, when you're at the top, Nick, you're at the top, and then when you're at the bottom, you are at the bottom, do you know what I mean? You've got to take the good with the bad. And, you know, I've created this thing that, like, I'm very outspoken, so I've got to take all that criticism as well. But yeah. I'll be sitting here lying to say if it didn't affect me as well. Maybe I go in there and get absolutely blown out the water by Calvin. So what? I'm taking a chance. I'm not afraid of anyone. I come to fight. I don't want to submit him. I don't want to take him down and lie on him for three rounds. I want to go out there and I want to put a hole through his face. And if I get knocked out in the process, so what? That's my approach now. Because, yeah, it is one of the toughest fights out there, but I truly believe I can beat him as well. And he knows I can beat him. He's not underestimating me. And if he is, bad luck to him. This, say out loud, this could be the third loss. So what? 
taking a chance. I'm, I'm going for glory. What no. got you out of the depression post Masvidal? Was it the travelling? Was it well, the family? Was it, or was it the gym? I or? wasn't depressed. I, depression's such a uh, like it's a strong word. I was just very feeling sorry for me. So I was like, oh, like second loss on the road. But you know, Colin, just Colin, Colin, just because I said to Colin, I said, I've never been knocked out of me. I said, you know, what does this mean? He just went nothing. He just went shut your mouth. What are you going on about? He said, you, you got it. It happens to everyone. Colin just said to me, listen, you know, we'll, we'll go and see this guy who's a friend. He's phenomenal at what he does. He's not like a mental psychologist or anything. So we went and seen him. Since I seen him, something inside him, he just flipped. Flipped. Wow. He sort of, like, broke me down. He made me feel like that, but also, like, relax at the same time. And it was... It was oh, unbelievable. I was sort of like in and out. I just didn't really want to train. I just had no that. And after seeing him, it was just like that switch where I was just like, I'm not missing a session. It was the best three days of my life. Wow. Me and Colin. Colin learnt a lot as well. I'm not saying because Colin's like a really knowledgeable guy. So after you beat Gastelum in New York. I like that. How'd you top that? How'd you top Gastelum, New York, Madison Square Garden? <laughs> you want me to tell you? Anfield. You know it's coming, Nick. Subtitles available on the TalkSport website. <laughs> um, BT Sport is the place that you can catch Nick's chat with Darren Till. Don't forget, you can watch uh, the fight with Kelvin Gastelum only on BT Sport on November the 2nd. Listen, it's it's a real daring-to-be-great moment. The kid's stepping up in weight from welterweight. As he mentions there, he's, been, he's on the back of two losses, one a world title fight, one a devastating knockout to Jorge Masvidal. Now he's stepping up in weight and taking on Kelvin Gastelum, who's just come off the back uh, of a world title eliminator. And he pushed Israel Adesanya all the way. It is a risk, but if he pulls this off, my word, is he in the mix for a shot at a middleweight title? Well, the great thing about Darren is um, the UFC are huge fans of his and they're giving him every opportunity. I think Kelvin's a dangerous fighter. They're both... Darren's very clever in the southpaw stance. I think he's just not... He's got to try and be long with Kelvin. Um, Kelvin's just had life and death with Israel Adesanya, remember? A really brutal five-round fight. Um, it's a terrific matchup on a brilliant card. I know you're going over for it. Um, you know, it, it's a great opportunity, and it's great to hear him speaking like that. It doesn't matter... The loss doesn't matter. He wants the win. He doesn't need the win. That's all that counts in his mind. And that makes a very strong fighter. Mm, that's the co-main event. Obviously, the main event is uh, one of Gareth's mates, Nick uh, <laughs> Nate Diaz, uh, taking on uh, Jorge Masvidal. Should be an absolute cracking night in Madison Square Garden on November the 2nd. And as I said, it's available on BT. Just a quick one before we uh, flip away from the UFC. Last night, Molly McCann was in action. Uh, got the business done. Still no finish for her, but yet another victory uh, in the UFC. She was close to getting that second round finish. It just didn't necessarily materialise for her. And Darren Stewart put in a wonderful performance. It was a bit of a back and forth uh, fight, but he got the victory as well. So two British victories uh, away from home last night in Boston. And the main event, did you see the main event? Weidman getting knocked out by Dominic Reyes. He looks like a serious contender, does Reyes. Big, long, strong, can whack a little bit. I know that Weidman's been through a few wars in his time. Uh, but Reyes, a real contender for Jones, do you think? Well, I don't know about for Jones, but he I've, I've been around Reyes. I know him a little bit. He, he, he's hes a great athlete. He looked very good with that very long left hand that put Weidman away. Um, it's amazing how 
wear and tear takes Absolutely. it out on these guys. I mean, I think of, and there were a lot of comments about it last night after the event. Um, Luke Rockhold knocked out badly by by Jan um, Blakovic. Blakovic in 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 the international fight week in the summer as well. Those two guys on very similar shelves right now, and yeah. people calling for those two to fight each other to see who ends first. It's a very cruel world, and 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 you know the the. The resilience of a fighter in mixed martial arts goes suddenly when they be, they've been at the top level mm. for that long. And, you, and and Weidman used to be like a brick, didn't he? You couldn't move oh. him. You couldn't budge him. But things change. You can only go to the cash register and take so much out every time because in the end, the cash register is empty. And that's what happens with the, with the jaws of these people when they're being hit by very big men, fresh men with, with four-ounce gloves. Um, Molly, by the way... I had a wonderful hour with Molly. I had a wonderful two or three days with Molly in Dublin when she was in Leah McCourt's corner. Um, I had a wonderful sit down with Molly for an hour. Um, and, and I know it's not on our podcast, but I did a, one of my Fighting Spirits podcasts with her. She is a really deeply inspirational person mm. who's come from an extraordinary background. Follow Molly McCann. Follow her story because she is utterly inspirational inspirational she's top class just quickly to finish because you've got Bellator next week is that right yeah Bellator um, Douglas Lima against Rory McDonald the final of the welterweight tournament million dollars up for grabs Um, those two in a rematch they had a brilliant fight last year in Los Angeles five round fight I think Douglas Lima is one of the leading welterweights in the world and I reckon he gets the job done next Saturday night in Connecticut there you go um, make sure you come back and join us next week because myself and Gareth are going to be spending a little bit of time with Regis Progress once again, Josh Taylor, Derek Chisora, Derek, uh, Debbie Price and a few others uh, that are going to be in London for that epic show down at the O2 next weekend and we are going to be bringing you an epic show just to match it. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamline my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 